You're listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast, where you'll learn how you can use direct-to-fan marketing strategies to grow your fan base and generate income from your music with no record label, radio, airplay, touring, or press. And I'm your host, John Ojaka. All right, John Ojaka here, and thanks for tuning in to episode 38 of the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. So I'm going to try to make this intro brief because this is this episode is going to be a bit different. I know last week I kind of promised that uh, I was turning over a new leaf and it was going to be a series of shorter episodes, and here I am, episode uh, or one episode later, and I'm giving you a monster. Now, uh, if you don't like long form content, then don't listen to this one. Skip this one. It's about two and a half hours. Now, why is it so ridiculously long? Um, it's because I just this morning, uh, re- as of this recording, released a or, or held a live music marketing Q&A uh, and invited the entire music marketing manifesto audience to attend. And we got a ton of questions and I, I did all I could to answer just about all of them. Um, I really uh, enjoyed today's live call. I think there was some really good uh, information, regardless of whether or not you're one of the the people to submit your questions. I think there was some great discussion, um, and I think that there's something to learn for everybody in this conversation. So if you're a musician and uh, you're you know looking to sell more music, generate more income from your music, uh, and you're interested in direct to fan marketing strategies and tactics, then I think you're going to dig this uh, episode. So uh, another factor that I kind of want to just give you some insight on or a little heads up on is the reason I held this call today, this this webinar, was because uh, I'm currently, as of this recording, holding a, a pretty massive Cyber Monday discount. So I'm, I've am i created a bundle of all of my standalone products, all of, of the products that I have, even a couple that uh, were closed to the public previously uh, because they had either a limited number of seats or uh, they were live workshops and they have since concluded. I brought them all back uh, for this discount. I put everything together. It's $1,100 worth of products and I've slashed 60% off that price. So for $4.95, you can get every single product uh, that uh, I, I have available, every standalone product I have available. Um, the only catch is that, again, this is a Cyber Monday sale. I'm, I'm recording this on Tuesday. You're probably listening to it on Wednesday, and it ends on Thursday. So Thursday, uh, what is the date on that? It'll be the 5th, I think, of December, depending on when you're listening to this. It, there's a very good chance it's already passed, uh, but you can learn more about it at musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash cyber dash. Monday. You can claim that discount. If you've already bought some of the products in the course, not to worry, you just send me an email. Tell me you'd like to pick up the bundle, but you've you've already bought some of the uh, programs. Tell me what email you ordered under. I'll prorate the the discount. I'll take some additional money off for anything that you've already purchased, uh, and you can get yourself a hell of a deal uh, if you're looking to uh, get a few more of my programs. This includes record release formula, uh, copywriting for musicians, two programs that I put out that are not currently available to the public, as well as my flagship program, Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0 and Music Ads Workshop 3.0. So you can learn more about that once more at musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash Cyber Monday. So um, enough of that. If you've already missed it, if this is in some future date and you're listening to this, not to worry. This is not. Yes. Yes, I am mentioning this promotion a few times in the call. Uh, It was kind of the whole impetus for the call, but 
this is not what this is about. This is two and a half hours of solid information uh, that I think you're really going to dig. So it's there for you. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to return to that call already in, in progress. Uh, I'm going to skip all the boring stuff uh, and, and kind of get right to the uh, to a brief introduction and the questions. So that's it. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to stop talking now. We're going to take a break. And when we return, uh, we'll, we'll be mid music marketing manifesto live Q&A back in a sec. You're listening to the music marketing manifesto podcast. Hi, this is John Ojaka. I'm a former Interscope and Warner Brothers recording artist who gave up on the major label rat race and began pursuing direct-to-fan marketing strategies back in 2007. The techniques I developed worked so well that they helped my very first client set the all-time single-day sales record at CD Baby and land a position on the Billboard charts. In 2009, I launched Music Marketing Manifesto and began sharing my music marketing strategies with others. Since then, my program have helped thousands of musicians learn to successfully market their music, many of which have landed on various Billboard, Amazon, and iTunes sales charts. They even helped one artist land a Grammy nomination. So if you're a musician and you need help growing your fan base or generating more income from your music, then musicmarketingmanifesto.com can help. My flagship program, Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0, is in its fourth edition and will teach you how to build an automated marketing funnel for your music. My program, Music Ads Workshop, will help you master advanced Facebook advertising, and the Insider Circle is my private mastermind group which offers monthly training lessons, weekly coaching calls, a mastermind forum, and over eight years of music marketing strategy lessons. I also offer one-on-one consulting for musicians who need personal guidance or help with any aspect of their marketing. To learn more, go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and click on products and services in the main menu. Once more, that's musicmarketingmanifesto.com. Who am I for anyone who's new here? Uh, the long and short of it, the, the real short of it is, uh, as I say, my name is John Ojaka. I'm a musician and a music marketing consultant. Um, I released albums for Interscope and Warner Brothers and once upon a time got what at least the trades said was the largest new artist signing in, in history, if you can believe that. And uh, and long story short, I did not have a wonderful experience with the major labels and got pretty disillusioned with the whole thing. Uh, and uh, turned to the internet to see if I could figure out a way to to make money. Frankly, at first, um, and and did I, I kind of cracked that? We're talking, you know, more than more than a decade ago, and I I had. Uh, pretty quickly built a business that generated a few million dollars in sales, an online uh, business. And I took those strategies and started kind of going, I wonder if this would work in music. And, you know, we're, we're going back over 10 years now where this was absolutely a new concept. Nobody was sort of teaching direct response marketing uh, in the music industry or, or doing it for that matter. And I developed some strategies that really worked. The very first campaign that I worked on, I set the all-time single day sales record at CD Baby, as you guys know, the world's largest distributor of independent music. And uh, that that gave birth to a business called Music Marketing Manifesto. And it was um, it was technically first came out in 2007, but, but ultimately the real push uh, for that business came in 2009. And I've been doing it ever since and have since helped thousands of musicians uh, learn to successfully market their music 
uh, and have helped just uh, countless artists uh, climb to the top of various Billboard, iTunes, Amazon, CD Baby sales charts. I'm very proud of what we do here um, and uh, been at it for a while and uh, like like to think that uh, we are at the, you know, are on the cutting edge of direct-to-fan marketing strategies. So that's who I am. That's why, why we're here. Um, I do kind of want to give a primer to this, again, for anyone who's new here and really maybe hasn't gone through any of my programs. I release a ton of free content. I have a podcast. I've got a website. And and you never have to buy anything. This is not, I, I don't, you know, I, yes, I'm a business. And and yes, I do have paid programs, but uh, I, I really try to make this an environment where there's a lot to learn, whether you ever spend a, a cent with me or not. I'm just trying to keep the lights on, and that's why I have uh, paid programs. Um, but if you're not familiar, if you've not gone through any of those programs, uh, you're not really familiar with what I'm all about and how what I teach and what I do might be different from some of the others that are now out there. Um, I, I focus on a pretty fundamental uh, or, or, or a pretty simple strategy, and that strategy involves um well, it boils down to two really, really, really simple principles. Build an audience and then monetize your relationship with that audience. In, in plain English and for most, uh, for uh, in, uh, or, or in a more sort of practical sense, what that typically means is build a mailing list of fans and then sell stuff to those fans. Um, you don't necessarily need to sell directly. You could ask people to, to stream. You could drive your traffic that way. But that, in my experience, isn't the best way for most musicians to monetize the relationship with their audience. But you can do both. You can stream and you can still sell. Um, but the point is, is that rather than going out there and just trying to generate awareness, which pretty much evaporates or, you know, 99.9% .9 of it evaporates the moment those people click away, we go out and we we build an audience. And what I mean by build an audience is we, we capture, uh, to some extent, content uh, contact information for these people, whether that's an email address or even just a, to get someone to follow one of our social uh, pages. We're building a real audience that we now have a relationship. We have now have the ability to communicate with um, and we, we entertain that audience on a regular basis, build a a relationship with that audience through our content and our communication and our engagement. And then, as I say, we ask them to buy stuff from time to time. And that could be uh, an album. It could be a box set. It could be a, um, asking them to back us on a Patreon campaign or a Kickstarter campaign. It could be promoting live shows. Um, you name it, uh, the sky's the limit. And the idea here is we just create an engaging channel uh, for our music. And I don't mean, you know, YouTube channel. I mean, figuratively speaking, a channel. Um, and we, 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 we send out regular, free, entertaining content uh, that highlights who we are, our brand, how interesting and dynamic and entertaining we can be. Uh, and then from time to time, we, we run promotions and say, um, if you like what you've been hearing, here's a chance to get something even cooler. Uh, there's a small price tag uh, attached. And if we do that, um, enough, we can build a real business where we spend a certain amount of money a acquiring this audience uh, and we make more than that amount of money um, off of that uh, audience. So those two stats become incredibly important, your subscriber acquisition costs and your subscriber value. And as long as you get that balance tipped in the right direction, it works, you become profitable and uh, you can live a life in music and you can, you can begin to scale. Now, uh, it's not easy. I don't I don't have magic fairy dust that makes everybody successful. Uh, but these are these are sound proven strategies that 
that, in my opinion, give every musician out there with a modicum of talent the best chance possible to become uh, successful. So that's me. That's what I'm all about. And that's the that's the umbrella for today's call. Um, the strategies that, that we're going to be talking about, or at least the the prism that I look through when I answer questions is is. Um, uh, is, is one as such, <laughs> one such as, I don't know, my, my English is failing me, but uh, it is it is what I just described. I'm, I'm approaching it as a direct-to-fan mar- marketer, a di- more, more, uh, more appropriately or more uh, precisely a direct response marketer. Um, I won't bore you with that definition, but it's, it's a particular strategy. It's a particular approach. And there are many people out there and, and I'm sure there are many different strategies out there and I'm, I'm sure all of them have their value, but that's, that's how I approach things. I'm all about ROI, um, making more than we spend and data and, uh, trying to function like a real business instead of the old major label, throw some money at the wall and st- see what sticks approach, which which works, um, you know, if you're a label who's really good at branding and, and marketing and national campaigns. Uh, but if you are one of the ones that doesn't stick, it, it really sucks. Your career's over. And so my goal is to give uh, as many musicians as possible a slice of that pie so they can live a life in music. All right. So... Um, I'm gonna uh, let's see what do we got what do we got here we've got um, we've got a bunch of questions uh, how, how many people uh, what do we got I'm just kind of trying to see who is here we've got a ton of you on the call um, busiest one of these we've had in a while so I'm just gonna start tackling questions I'm gonna I'm not sure how much time we're gonna have this call we'll probably go for about um, an hour to an hour and a half. Uh, I'll get as many of these answered as I can. The replay will be uh, available. Um, if and, and as I say, I'm hoping to get a podcast out later today as well with this audio. Um, so if you're listening in uh, and you'd like me to open up your phone line, you can hit star two on your phone's keypad or click the raise your hand button uh, if you're using the web phone. Uh, I'm going to give priority to the written questions just because uh, we've got a lot of them and we'll see, we'll, but we'll see how it goes. Um, all right. And I just, um, again, I'm kind of reading questions and um, <laughs> reading questions and trying to talk all at the same time. Um, uh, so somebody uh, commented that uh, audio is coming through one speaker. Not sure if it's on um, my end. Yeah, I think I think it might be if the audio is only coming out on one. In my in my monitors, it's coming out on both. But um, hopefully that's the case. If I guess if that's a big problem, uh, folks will let me know. Um, and let's see here. Sorry, a lot of questions to get through. I'm quickly scanning um, all the new ones that are coming in. Um, so this first question, um, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, this, I guess I'll just go kind of in order. Uh, so this question came from uh, Boris in Oh, wow. I'm going to screw this up. It's an Australian name. Gundawindi. Gundy. Um, uh, so he says, uh, 
Hi, John. I'm still working through MMM 4.0, not yet finished, although very excited to be progressing through the program. My background is in hard rock and heavy metal. I've shared the live strategy. Uh, sorry, I just screwed your question up there. I've, I've shared the live stage with um, members of Black Sabbath, Dio, Alice Cooper, and Skid Row. I've done well with my music, yet I still financially have nothing to show for it. I know that I have a great quality product that just needs to be marketed properly so I can connect with my tribe directly. My success, uh, my successes have come from two different bands, uh, Weaponhead, um, which is a hard stoner rock and brimstone. Oh, sorry, no, uh, there's a comma missing there. (laughs) Hard stoner rock, and then another band, Brimstone, which is epic heavy metal. Uh, Weapon had been uh, put on the shelf, but has three albums and merch. Brimstone is still current and has one album and merch, and we are writing the second album. I've been building my MMM4 machine around Brimstone uh, and uh, as it is current. My question is, should I actually just promote uh, Boris Billing and push both bands and all the associated products or concentrate on just one. So I'm a little thrown by what you mean by Boris Billing. Is that a is that an expression that I don't understand? Um, oh, no, sorry. No, that's your name. Wow. <laughs> uh, I was so focused on your band names. Um, uh, got it. So should you focus? You have a you have an old band, a new. Uh, uh, sorry, you have. Um, I just want to make sure I get this right. Um, You've been building my machine. So, you know, okay, so you're a solo artist, but you also have two bands, an old one and a current one, and you're wondering what the best way to go about this is. Well, it, you know, unfortunately, there's no real simple answer here. It really kind of matters, uh, well, on two fronts. It matters on an artistic level. Like, who are you? Are you, are you Brimstone or are you Boris Billing? Um, uh, you know, what do you want to do? What do you need to do as an artist and creative person? Uh, what are your goals? Um, from a sort of more marketing standpoint, to me, I, I try to focus on uh, the USP, the unique selling proposition for every artist. That's where every project starts. And I talked about this in the last Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. But when I'm sitting down with a, uh, a private client, so I do marketing consultant for individuals and labels and all that stuff, um, but when I sit down, I, the very first thing I'm trying to do is hone in on the USP. What is the unique selling proposition here? What is the thing that is that makes you unique? Why should I buy your music or pay attention to, to you when there are a million other artists that are out there? And when I can hone in on that, I can better answer this question. You know, if I was to sit down with you, I'd be asking your story and I'd, I'd be trying to really I'd be waiting for you as an artist to come into focus. What's the thing that I'm going to walk away from after, you know, 30 minutes sitting down with you, listening to your music or maybe seeing you live? What's the thing that I'm going to tell my friend, uh, you know, this this guy that I just met or or heard uh, was all about? And when we can get to that real essence of what is special about you, um, then we can better start to dress this up and figure out how to approach marketing it. Uh, I don't personally think it matters a ton whether or not you go as a solo artist or or as a band. Um, I would personally just try to lead with what is strongest, what you're most passionate about, and what has the most uh, legs and you know 
long-term potential for you. Um, in terms of what you sell, sell what is most current, um, but that doesn't mean that the, the older projects need to sit on the shelf. You can put those together, for example, as a, as a special you know, box set collection um, uh, of ideally group it with current and old stuff, but you know, find some, some new song. Let's say you were going as Boris Billing, find some new Boris Billing stuff and take all the old albums and, and old projects and put it together in this giant box set and sell it for a really good price. Um, and, uh, and you could, you know, that you can run it as an upsell after people purchase an album, uh, you could run it as a standalone promotion. Um, uh, but it's, it's definitely still something you can monetize. Uh, but I would lead with an initial lower priced offer, uh, that is most current, most exciting, most, most representative of your unique selling proposition. Um, I, I feel like that's a little bit of a, a, a basic answer to a pretty long question that we could talk about for hours, but in the interest of you know keeping the call moving, I think I'll sort of leave it leave it there. There, there isn't really a right or wrong um, in terms of which project you should push. Um, but uh, you know we're artists first and you need to do what is um, most rewarding for you. Otherwise, what, what's, what's the point? Um, uh, with those few little caveats that I mentioned. Um, so next question comes from Michael in Newark. He says, um, well, he has two questions. He says, what is the best way to get traffic from Facebook and how do you get sustained traffic from Facebook? So, um, I'm going to, answer this in a way that maybe a lot of people won't want to hear. The best way to get traffic from Facebook, in my opinion, is to pay for it. Um, a lot of people are pretty pretty pissed that they have to pay for uh, traffic on Facebook. And bear with me as I take a sip of coffee. Um, so as I think a lot of people know these days, the way Facebook works is, you know, they've got an algorithm that distributes your content and that system is called the sort of edge rank algorithm, or at least it was, I haven't heard that term thrown around in a while. I think, I think they still call it edge rank, but long story short, what it, uh, what it means is that content is weighted. They don't want, Facebook doesn't want your feed to just become an insanely commercial environment. And if, your uh, page had the same weight as, let's say, I don't know, your your mom, uh, or your or your wife, or or, or partner. Um, if 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 that's what if you were if that was the case, then you'd most likely because of all those likes that you <laughs> you've clicked in the past, you'd log into your feed and just get bombarded by commercial message after commercial message after commercial message. So they've weighted it so that personal profiles have a little more weight. People you've engaged with in the past have a little more weight. Um, and, and content gets distributed, um, not so evenly based on what their algorithm determines is your likeliness to care about it. And as such, per, uh, pages, business pages have taken a real hit. And I, you know, I see it all the time, even with music marketing manifesto, I have 55,000 followers. I haven't paid for really any of them. I, I say really, cause years ago, like ten, nine, 10 years ago, I think I bought a few hundred of them as part of an experiment. But other than that, I haven't paid for a single like, um, they're all real likes that have come in from real people all on their own. And yet I, I can still release a post and have 200 people, uh, even see it if I don't, if I don't boost it, um, or, or run an ad to it. So, 
So we're really, you know, there, there are occasions, the way they distribute the content is your content comes out, a few hundred people see it. If it gets really great engagement, they'll release it to more people. If that gets really great engagement, they'll release it to more. So every once in a while you have a post come out and it gets, you know, complete exposure to your audience. But for the most part, you're getting just a tiny little trickle of it. Um, and, and the alternative is to pay, is to go and either boost. I don't use the simple boost fu function much. I go into the ads manager and use the engagement objective and try to get people to engage with my posts, or I'll use the traffic objective if I'm trying to get people to click somewhere. Um, but I'll spend money to make sure that my my posts get seen by my audience. And um, why do I think this is the best way? Wouldn't it be better if we got free traffic all day long. Um, well, it's a nice thought, but to my mind, we're again, we're trying to run like a real business. And while free traffic is nice and you can, you can do a hell of a lot with free traffic, um, you're always vulnerable. You know, I heard this analogy used years ago when I was just kind of getting started with online marketing and, and I'm going to butcher it, but it was something along the lines of two businesses for sale. They're, you know, they're both for sale for a million dollars. One uh, gets all of its uh, traffic from SEO, so free traffic. The other gets all of its traffic from advertising, so it has higher costs, which is the better business to buy. And my first thought was, well, the free one, because I don't pay anything. Um, but, you know, the, the person teaching this lecture uh, stressed that the paid advertising-based business was a, a better move because they're not vulnerable. That's something that you can control. You can keep spending money and all things being equal, you'll keep getting customers. Whereas the other, uh, the other business is completely vulnerable. All it takes is one algorithm shift and boom, it's over. And I've been there, you know, again, I, I mentioned that I got my start in the whole online marketing thing. <clears throat> We're talking like 2006 or seven. Um, with projects that had nothing to do with music. I didn't return back to the music industry. Um, well, I've always been in the music industry, but as a marketer, I didn't I didn't turn to the music industry uh, until around, like I said, 2009. Um, and uh, my first few projects had nothing to do with music. And I built a, that initial business I mentioned. Um, the, the first success, well, the very first success I had was paid advertising. The second success was uh, based on SEO. I got free traffic. I ranked some massive keywords. I made thousands of dollars a day, tens of thousands of dollars a month. And then the algorithm changed and almost overnight, it, you know, it all dried up um, and my business took a massive hit. So so I like paying for traffic. Yes, it's more challenging to make paying for traffic work, but but it's so, so, so much more reliable. So I say and, and it's so much more e easy. You know, free traffic takes a lot of work. It's a lot of manual hours. I say that we have to just grin and bear the fact that it is our responsibility as small business owners, because at the end of the day, that is what we are if we're trying to make a living off this stuff. I think we need to grin and bear it and realize that uh, uh, we're going to need to figure out a way to make more off of uh, our leads, off of our audience, than we pay to attract them. And it's not always easy, and it's going to require you to create a bunch of content and constantly engage, but that's that's 
the world we live in. Um, you know, you can you can go on tour for y- your entire life, um, uh, which which most will completely burn out from, um, or you can go and engage online, which is infinitely easier, um, or you can do both, which is even healthier. Uh, but but the the point is is there's really no way to just sit there doing nothing and become rich and famous. Uh, we we got to work it, and so. Uh, I absolutely think paid traffic is a way to go. And to answer your second question, it's it's also uh, sustainable. Um, so uh, one of the best things I ever did, and one of the first things I did was was master paid traffic um, when I first started uh, with online marketing many many years ago. And uh, it has you know really never never failed me. But um, the key to that is to learn copywriting you know to, to start to understand the art of using words to sell and in your case to sell music um, um, which which sets me up perfectly for, for a quick little pitch to uh, just remind anyone who's new here uh, that I am currently holding a cyber Monday sale it started yesterday on cyber Monday and it's and it expires on Thursday um, at midnight part of the reason we're doing this call today uh, and uh, you guys can check it out if you go to music marketing manifesto.com forward slash cyber dash Monday uh, or you should see a little link somewhere in the webinar broadcast room that'll take you to the uh, Cyber Monday discount it's a huge discount 60% off a bundle of all my products Um, never offered a a discount this big before do not have any plans to offer it again Um, if you like what uh, if you like the things we're talking about here today uh, then I'd encourage you to check it out and if you've ever bought any of um, the programs that are offered in this in this uh, bundle then I'm happy to uh, uh, as long as they're the current versions that are still being offered in this bundle uh, happy to offer you a prorated discount where I can you know remove the cost of of the items you already have just send an email to john at musicmarketingmanifesto.com Click the contact tab on any page of my site um, to to uh, start that conversation. I'll have to make you a special link. All right, um, what do we got? So next question. Um, oh, and why did I go on that ramble? Because I have a course called Copywriting for Musicians that teaches you all about the art of selling uh, music with words. Um, so. Um, a question from Ed and Tafton. He says, how do you get Facebook and YouTube to work for you in terms of fans? It seems unless you're Taylor Swift or somebody, uh, nobody cares. Well, yeah. <laughs> um, the way you get you get people to care is to be um, remarkable, to be awesome, to be amazing and talented. And um, then you get in front of people. And I, I'm being a little bit flippant or silly uh, because it's a it's a reality that a lot of people want to um, I don't know stick their heads in the sand and ignore Um, it's not going to come easy you know we we got to be amazing we got to be awesome we got to create content worth paying attention to and then we got to get in front of people and when you you again referencing the last answer to the last question um i uh, use facebook advertising you can still go out there and there's there are all kinds of organic strategies and i realize that not everyone has 
money for ads and that's fair enough. There is a lot you can do with free strategies. You can build your audience organically. You can go out into the world and and shake hands and get email addresses from people that you meet and tell them you'll send them some free music. You can um, you can tour um, and use that as an opportunity to build your mailing list, uh, your social media profile, and you can grow slowly and organically uh, or you can grow quickly by paying for it. Um, and again, you can limit your budget to a dollar a day if that's all you've got. Um, but, uh, make something amazing and get in front of people. And, and again, there are definitely organic strategies out there. They're a hell of a lot of work and they're not for me. Uh, I've, I've done that. I'm not interested in it. I want to pay for it. I want to make it quick and I want to, um, grow fast. And I want to focus on making more money off of my, uh, my audience so that I can afford to keep paying to, grow the audience. Um, and I, you know, I do paid advertising on Facebook and YouTube all the time, primarily Facebook, because I get a better ROI. Uh, but for some YouTube makes a lot of sense. Um, and, you know, you, you're talking about YouTube. So that's video views. Video views are very cheap. Um, good quality video views are very cheap. Uh, and there's a lot of real organic um, engagement to be generated there. You'll get subscribers um, again, as long as you're not using low uh, sort of third world countries or, 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 or low quality traffic uh, with Facebook. We're talking about a different thing. It could be video views. It's in, it could be engagement um, with your content. Again, if you just put out content, you're going to see that your engagement's pretty low on Facebook and often on YouTube. Um, and what we ultimately really need is, is either the algorithm to kick in uh, or, or we need to, spend a little bit of money increasing our reach. And if the content is good, people will, uh, will engage with it. And that's the, the real short answer. Um, all right. So a lot of questions continue to come in. Not, not hundred percent sure that we're going to have time to get through all these. Wow. There are a lot of you here today. There's, there's a few hundred of you here today, which is really cool to see. Um, haven't seen the phone lines. It's crowded in a while. We normally, as I say, are doing these insider circle calls, uh, and it's just a few dozen of us um, in in the uh, calls at any time. There's a there's a few hundred of us in the insider circle, but on our weekly calls, it tends to be a few dozen. So this is this is a few hundred, and it's it's packed, um, which again is awesome. So. <laughs> Let's see here. More questions. Um, all right. So Athena from uh, Saratoga Springs asks, how do I narrow down my USP? That stands for unique selling proposition to anyone who's new. She says, I'm stuck on that. I can't seem to find the nugget because I'm just having or I'm just living my life. I'm too close to see it. Uh, I'm about to release the first new music in years, and this is a big issue. I've done lots of worksheets and classes on this. Still stuck. Thanks. Um, all right. So what, what she's talking about is, again, uh, referencing something that I talked about in last week's Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. You can find that on iTunes, Stitcher, um, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, it was on branding. And uh, it's also something that I cover in my course, Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0. There's a whole exercise with worksheets and everything on developing your USP. Now, 
she's definitely right. It's challenging, especially when we're so close to it. The unique, uh, the USP means unique selling proposition. I talked about this earlier. It's the thing that makes you stand out from the millions of other artists out there. As I talked about in the podcast, it's not always just what your music sounds like. It's often what your story is. Often we gravitate towards artists. Yes, yes, because of the songs. It's always because of the songs, but it's also because of the brand. It's also because of the lifestyle we want to, it's also because of the tribe. Um, and, and that's where story comes into it. And quite often it is story that gives one artist credibility over another artist. It's what connects us to the music so that it's not a, a one hit wonder situation. And we, we stay with the artist. Um, um, it's it's who they are. It's what they represent, and is it, and and uh, we grab on to um, an artist because of those things, because of who they are, because of what they represent, because of their story. Because um, I, I guess a lot of life is about that. It's aligning ourselves with things that you know we want more of in our own lives. You know, we like sports teams. We feel this loyalty to sports teams. We we do the same with artists for slightly different reasons, um, but but we are. Are, I think human beings deep, deep down are always seeking tribe and connection. And uh, we grab onto artists in part because of the songs and the way they make us feel, but also because of the way the artists themselves and what they represent makes us feel. So the USP is, yes, often about the music, but often about the experience, uh, the, the, the person, the artist, the band, the story. Uh, uh, it can be a, a little bit about both. Um and whatever the case, it's just about the thing that makes you truly unique in the marketplace. Um, and how do you hone in on it? Um, well, you, it, uh, how do you hone in on it? So, you know, it is ultimately a bit of a brainstorming process. Um, there are those worksheets that I mentioned in, in my programs. The simplest thing that I will... You know, I do this for others all the time in my private consulting sessions where I will just interview an artist and I just listen and I'm just looking for the story. It's about the thing. It's it's not about trying to sound like a journalist and write some professional sentence that sounds super flowery and cool, like about the, you know, soulful qualities of your profound lyrics. It's about telling me why you're soulful, describing what is soulful about your music and describing what is profound about the music. What what transcendent experience are those lyrics going to give me? Um, what emotional experience are those soulful um, or, or is the soulful music going to give me? Um, and if there's a story of a fight that you have waged as a creative person to get your music out there, what is it? Um, uh, because because I find that I typically that's often a huge, huge factor. Um, uh, I, we talk, again, I talked about it on the last podcast, but, you know, there are a lot of uh, I'm trying to think of. Um, some USPs that I could get give as examples and word I'm going to butcher it because I don't have anything in front of me. But I, I, I reference a story. I remember when I um, years ago I, I did a residency with Jewel um, as she was breaking. She was you know with the beginning of the residency she was kind of nobody. By the end of it she had a line around the block. So I kind of watched her break and. The story that was floating around and still is to some extent was she was this, um, you know, cute Alaskan singer songwriter uh, who uh, was homeless and had lived out of her van. As as far as I know, that's a pretty small side note to the story, but it was an attractive one that helped 
connect people that created that shortcut to the mind um, of the pro of the fan of the potential fan uh, of this vagabond Kerouacian um, troubadour um, that was very much I think the core essence of what a lot of fans of singer songwriters are ultimately interested in. And so that stuck, you know, there was less conversation about the music and more conversation about her life. Although of course it was the music that ultimately uh, sold it and made that story stick, you know, or, or I should say it in the reverse, really, it was the music that people tuned in for. It was the story that made them stick around. So, um, so, uh, long story short, what can you do in addition to the stuff that it sounds like you're already doing through the course? Uh, you can try to get an objective third party to interview you and look for those um, those nuggets, those things that they're going to tell their friends. Um, and 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 maybe you need to do it multiple times to see if you if if a pattern emerges um, and just get a, a few literate friends uh, by literate I don't mean uh, just the ability to read and write I mean you know that that um, have some literary acumen um, uh, and ask them to talk to you and interview you and try to get to the core of your story and, and listen to where they and record the whole thing for that matter but listen to where they stick and spend time and dig you know those are probably the interesting um, areas uh, and then see and then ask them at the end of it what aspect of the story if you were to walk away from this to and and describe m my music to a friend based on the conversation we just had or, or my story you know what would you say and and if you have three people do this and they all come back with the same thing or a couple of them do at least then you probably got your usp um and if you're really really stuck and i'm so not trying to sell you on this but i do you know offer consulting by the hour and could probably knock this out in one to two hours. Uh, but again, go to a friend first. You don't, you don't need me to do this. I'm just throwing it out there because I don't want anyone to be completely stuck. And you can always find that at uh, musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash work dash with dash John. All right. Um, hopefully that answers your question. So um, let's see. I'm going to try my best to pick up my pace here. Is that sipping some coffee here? <laughs> uh, where am I? I've lost my window. Um, uh, let's see. This question comes from... Wait, do we have any hands raised? No hands raised at this time. Sticking with uh, written questions. Comes from uh, Alex in Bristol. He says, how can I sell my music direct to fans if people don't want to download files so much these days and prefer to stream? So... Um, this is something that comes up a lot. It's it's certainly true that the majority of people that you encounter would prefer to stream. It's easier. Um, however, it is not true. It's completely a misconception um, that people will not uh, sign up to get some free downloads. I have worked on more campaigns in the last 12 months than ever before. Um, I normally am only taking on one or two private clients here. This last year, I took on a bunch of them, you know, more than a dozen. Um, and I've had more uh, uh, sort of just one-on-one -on -one sort of consulting than ever before, and so I've I've seen in I've seen into the the dashboards of a lot of campaigns campaigns that I've set up, and it is 
while not every squeeze page is going to convert well, I'm routinely seeing squeeze pages converting over 35%. It's not at all uncommon to convert over 40%. Anything over 25% is, is pretty decent, um, but I'm routinely seeing my squeeze pages convert over 40%. And I'm not talking after seven people, I'm talking after hundreds or thousands of people. That means roughly you know one to three or almost one in two people to land on my squeeze pages um when i say my i mean squeeze pages i put together for other artists uh, as well as mine for that matter uh, are entering their name and email address to get a free download um, and the reason that people are doing this is because of the strength of the copy uh, if you can make a compelling uh bold claim or promise about the experience that your music offers and you can show your target audience that you completely get them that you completely know what it is that they love about music because you you spelled it out clearly and you've attributed those qualities to you as an artist if you can do that then uh then then people are put in a situation where they have really just two choices uh to enter their name and email address and be and and find out if you live up to the hype uh, or or back away. Um, and uh, we do this with a special type of, of template. And there's no real one way to do this. You don't have to use my template. I have a custom built template that I provide people who take Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0 um, uh, that, that is optimized for this sort of thing. But you don't have to use that. You can use a lot of different templates. But the idea with these squeeze page templates is there are no links to other content you know there's no links to your store or videos or things that will distract and allow a person to con to to digest what you're all about we're leading with with our copy we're leading with that bold claim or promise and if you if you put a good uh, a, a great headline together if you a good offer together uh people will take that step and what do i mean by that just to use a silly analogy you know if if People, if you had a group of starving people, and I said, and and you and you said, who wants, you know, a free a free burger? You'd pretty much get a hundred percent of your audience taking action because it's an offer they can't refuse. So how do we do that with music? How do we go and take fans of Bob Dylan or 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 Dr. Dre for that matter, and and speak to them in a way that they're going to go, oh my God, that is awesome uh, you know they may not believe you they may not believe that your music um is on par with one of the best you know lyricists um in the history of, of of modern music but you've just demonstrated that you understood the, the qualities the the experience that they're seeking in music and you made a claim that you you can live up to a certain degree of hype if they want if they want to find out if you are exactly what um you claim to be uh then they've got to take that step and as such we get really um high conversions i don't think that the medium is nearly as important as the experience um it is definitely true that a download is a is a bit of a limitation um and i'm working on some solutions to to uh better optimize that um however it's not ultimately a limitation because 
Uh, I'm seeing people every single day in droves, uh, to be honest, signing up to get free downloads. Um, and I'm, of course, offering a little link uh, to any, anyone who signs up so that they can stream the track as well f uh, from my site if they don't want to download it. Because on most mobile devices, well, iPhones in particular, they would need the, the addition of an app. Uh, but I'm seeing the clicks. You know, the downloads are going out. People are doing it. People are engaging. People are buying. So um, it's it's not a hindrance, despite what um, what you may think. When it comes to streaming, I have no problem with streaming. Stream your music, but if you're trying to sell your music as well, don't stream the entire album because. Uh, uh, if you're asking people to buy an album, then they're not gonna if they already have it. So what I tend to do is focus on streaming, you know, releasing uh, the singles, big air quotes there, to the streaming platforms, um, at least initially, and holding the album back. And then you can you can re-examine the possibility of releasing the complete catalog a little bit further down the line. We call this sort of windowing. I've been talking about it for a few years now, um, and uh, you know, we see a lot of artists do it, even Taylor Swift and and Adele windowed their last albums. They didn't immediately go to streaming. Um, and uh, you're going to find, or most of you are going to find that 80% of your revenue is coming from 20% of your tracks anyway. So let's get the singles out there. Let's give ourselves that ability to generate revenue um, from uh, from streams. But let's also not shoot ourselves in the foot if we want to try to sell, sell an album. Um, and again, there's a lot that you can do to house the album in a, in a streaming format for people that you know don't want to download an app um, and it's a big conversation but you can also create something called a progressive web app to create your own downloadable streamable uh, music app if if interested all right uh, question from Mickey Wynn. How's it going, Mickey? And he's in Brighton uh, in the UK. He says, looking for pros and cons of staying an indie artist or signing to a label. Well, long story short, uh, at least from my perspective, if you if you sign with a label, you got somebody else paying for things. You get an advance usually um, that might put a little bit of money in your pocket and you can just focus on being a musician uh, or so, so is the dream. Um, the downside of going with a label is that if they don't make money pretty quickly, they're going to move on in almost every case. Um, and those advances are pretty small these days, especially if you're a band, um, and they can tie you up and own your catalog. And, uh, you know, to my mind, if it's just odds, you know, I go into it like, I got I got you know seven figure deals with my label deals and my publishing, and that was I just went with the odds. The chances that I was going to generate that on my own were not as good as taking the money right there. And if I did generate money, it probably wouldn't be infinitely more than than what I got in the advance. So I took the advance. So if they're offering you five thousand dollars, but they're going to offer but they're going to own your your catalog. I don't know what what are the chances that you can generate five thousand dollars on your own. I think they're pretty good, um, so uh, I would probably not take that deal. Um, it's just really weighing out what are they offering and what are they uh, and what are the chances that you can do that all on your own. Uh, some people just really are not good at marketing, don't want to market. Fine, go chase a record deal. But to me. 
I don't know. I don't like gatekeepers. I went through all that. I really hate it. I've had four record deals with Interscope, Universal, Warner Brothers Sub, and uh, an independent label, and I just hated it. I was always waiting on other people to do their jobs. They seldom did their jobs, and everything just kind of got worse and worse and worse and worse, and I spent my life dealing with record label bureaucracy and not just being an artist. Now, a lot of that's my own fault, um, but... But I think going out and just operating as a business is a is a better path, at least for me, um, because you're in control. And what I love about the direct to fan marketing strategies that I tend to focus on is that they are the one sort of rule for me is that they are not gate. There, there are no gatekeepers. If I have to get somebody to say yes to me, whether it's a record label or a playlist owner for that matter, I don't want to bother with it. I'd rather go and pay uh, for exposure and traffic and make it all happen on my own and just be smarter than the average musician so that I can make sure that I'm making more money um, off of the money that I'm spending. And so I focus on those kinds of strategies. So um, I think you have far more control uh, if you go independent and there's a much bigger profit margin but um, obviously um, if you go with a label if they're offering something that you don't currently have be it skills or resources uh, or finances then you know it's definitely worth considering Uh, all right next question uh, from um, okay I I don't know if this is the same person actually I don't think it is it's alex in bristol saying people are very resistant to subscribing to anything at all nowadays another hurdle to overcome uh, question mark um so i talked about this just a moment ago so i won't spend too much time on it understand where you're coming from understand that other people feel this way it's not the case i'm just telling you as someone who spends you know hundreds of thousands of dollars on advertising sees a lot of campaigns um yes people people have always been resistant to giving away their their information their personal information um but direct response marketing has been around for well over 100 years um you know initially it was those old catalogs that they used to send out to frontiersmen for reals and it was the same thing using copywriting uh, skills and uh, analyzing results to 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 fine-tune their process so that they could um, make more money uh, on those catalogs and they spent creating them and sending them out now we do it with email um and you know before that it was direct mail and well there's still direct mail but you know we mostly do it with email um and when it comes to music people absolutely will subscribe it's just about showing people that you represent the qualities that they want in their life and um if you can do that uh, you will get them to subscribe. As I say, I'm regularly seeing um, conversion rates on my squeeze page is over 40%, which is almost one in two people uh, to land on a page. I just had a squeeze page convert at 50% for, for a pretty long run uh, for an artist, and that was one in two people to land on that page were signing up uh, to get, uh, in this case, his music uh, for free. And at which time their email uh, system took over and ultimately started building that relationship and trying to make the sale. Um, so um, understand it, but it's a it's a misconception. Uh, people will subscribe. You just if they're not, then something's wrong with your targeting or your copy um, or your offer. 
Uh, so let's see. Question from Mark in Berlin. Would you recommend using the cost control option in the optimization and delivery section of the campaign setup when using Facebook ads? Is that a new option? I didn't notice it before uh, today. I feel it is only available when campaign budget optimization is turned off. Um, so how's it going, Mark? Um, he's talking about an option within the Facebook ad dashboard. Um, I don't know when that came out. I think it was earlier uh, in 2019. I'm not exactly sure on the month. I know it was around in the summer. Um, in my opinion, uh, it's not worth using, honestly. Uh, so the cost control option is something where you can set a rule. I'm never willing to spend more than $1.50 per subscriber, for example, um, which sounds really great, but what it does is it forces the algorithm to struggle uh, to uh, to find you the initial subscribers you need in order for the algorithm to really refine itself. So when we, when we set up a Facebook ad, um, we don't just, um, or let's say, let me rephrase that. When we set up a Facebook ad and we go and we, let's say, target people who like, um, you know, I don't know, Neil Young. Uh, we're not just targeting the 700,000 people or whatever Facebook says or thinks are, are Neil Young fans. What's happening is based on our objective, let's, let's say that's traffic. Let's say we just want clicks. Um, they're looking at all the people that are actually, the algorithm is looking at all the profiles of the people that are clicking, that are following through on your objective. Uh, and then they're creating basically a filter. They're looking for patterns in those, uh, those people's accounts. And then they're creating a filter uh, of the the top percentage of those people that are most likely to click on your ad based on uh, the patterns the algorithm can detect in their profiles. So I'm way oversimplifying this, but you know, let's say it turns out that they're all dog lovers who live in the West Coast between the age of. 35 and 45. Well, they'll create, and again, there'd be much more to it than that, but um, they would create a a filter of dog lovers between 35 and 45 that live in the West Coast, and they would apply that to your Neil Young audience um, to give you the, the segment of your Neil Young audience most likely to actually uh, reply. Uh, I mean, uh, take the action you, you want them to take based on your ad objective. If you don't give Facebook book enough data, we typically want to see at least five actions per day, then the algorithm gets kind of like confused. It, well, it's not that it's confused. It just doesn't have enough data to hone in. It can't do a good job and the ads don't perform well. Often they just bog out and you, you get you get no um, no distribution. And that's what happens more often than not when you start using the um uh, cost control. You you put a ceiling on things because ads usually start off expensive and then the prices come down as as Facebook hones in on your audience. Um, and so most people are going, well, I'm going to put a pretty low uh, cost uh, or, or a cost ceiling on that, and, and things never work. And you see that your 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 reach is just like zero. And if you put a high cost control on there, then what's the point? So uh, I don't use it. I instead, and most people I know don't use it, we just kind of watch our ads and uh, give Facebook time to figure things out because you're gonna have days that just fluctuate all over the place. Let's say you're getting a subscriber for a dollar a piece, you're gonna have a day where it's just $4.20 for some reason. And then you're gonna have a day where it's 72 cents um, for some reason. Um, but uh, you know, if you put uh, cost control on it, 
it's going to just get all screwed up once you have an off day. And chances are that off day is going to be on the first day. So um, not not a super new feature and not one that I use, not one that many people I know are using. It's there for a reason, though. So I, I really think where who that benefits most are the, the big brands, the people spending you know, thousands of dollars a day, uh, on, on, on ads, especially within a, um, a s- sort of lower price range, you know, where maybe they're, they're trying to get engagement for three cents. And so they put a five cent cap on it as opposed to, um, something like clicks or conversions, which can vary much more dramatically. Um, just my opinion though, on, on that last point. Um, I don't know who's using it to be honest, cause I don't know anyone who's really using it. Um, let me just see here. Let's see. So I've got a ton of more questions. Um, let me just kind of, I gotta refresh a few things. Bear with me. Let's see what I've got. Yeah, I've got a lot of questions. Um, and we are at the one hour mark. So we're probably going to go for another 30 minutes. Um, we have no hands raised, but a lot of you on the phone lines um, and the web web calls. If anyone wants me to try to open up their lines directly, they can hit start two on your phone's keypad or hit the raise your hand button. And we'll see what we can do. Uh, or you can submit your questions via the ask a question field below the webinar broadcast screen. Um, uh, again, and pardon the pardon the commercial uh, breaks here, but uh, uh, just because I can see people kind of coming in and going constantly, uh, we're here today as uh, part of this big Cyber Monday promotion that we're running. It went live uh, yesterday. Um, I just gonna kind of pepper that in to let everyone know uh, if you like what we're talking about here today, if, if light bulbs are going off and you're starting to see that some of the strategies that, that I teach and focus on are making sense, if you've been around on my mailing list, listening to my podcast, um, reading my content on the site for a while, and you've been thinking about um, signing up for any of the programs right now, I'm running the biggest discount I've ever had. That's not that's not hype. At least I think, I think, I hope I've never run a bigger discount. I can't ever remember running a bigger discount. Um, it's 60% off all of my products. I put them into one bundle. Uh, you can get all of them for 60% off and you can find that by going to, uh, musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash cyber dash Monday. Uh, and, um, you can find it on the Facebook feed if you just really can't find it. If you're listening in via the webinar broadcast room, you can find a special link there that should say claim the Cyber Monday discount. Um, it's going to expire soon, goes away on Thursday at midnight. Um, never been a better uh, opportunity to get some of my programs. Uh, it'll keep you busy and uh, you'll learn uh, or in this package, I've got record release formula, which is a program that uh, was only made available to 200 people and then was taken off the market and has been off the market ever since. It is a course in which I teach you how to uh, the, the A to C a to C, <laughs> the A to Z of a uh, very short alphabet there, A to Z of, uh, of releasing an album. Uh, this differs from music marketing manifesto in the sense that it's, it's less, uh, evergreen focus. So we're not taking an old album and setting up an automated funnel for it, which is what I teach in music marketing manifesto, but we're taking a new album and we're setting it up for release in real time and includes things like press and radio and all the different components that go into an album release. It's the media program I ever put together. It was taught as a live workshop. Um, uh, as I say, it was only made available to 200 people. It's been off the market ever since. Um, and I brought it back for the first time, uh, as part of this deal, it's your only chance to get it. I don't have any 
plans uh, of releasing it again, and that's you know that's not hype. Um, it's it's it will not likely be made available. You never know, but uh, not likely made available again. Um, I've also got copywriting for musicians, which teaches you how to write better ads, better blog posts, um, and how to use. It teaches you the art of using words to sell music. Something we've talked about a lot on this call. It's also off the market. It was uh, also a live workshop that has had its doors were closed um, a while back, and I brought it back for this. Uh, uh, this promotion, the live aspect is not part of either of these, but the, the coaching sessions or the live, uh, webinar sessions are all there in the course. So you can, you won't, wouldn't be able to submit, uh, new questions, but you can, um, learn from those that were submitted. Um, so I've got those two. And then of course, music marketing manifesto 4.0, which as I said, teaches you how to build an online, uh, automated marketing system, uh, or marketing funnel for your music. And then there is music ads workshop 3.0, which is a advanced Facebook advertising course for musicians, uh, which, uh, you know, all of these programs complement one another um, and uh, are, are taught through the prism of the Music Marketing Man Manifesto, aka direct fan marketing model. Um, and if you have bought uh, one or two of these before, so long as it is the same edition that's being offered in this in this um, bundle, um, meaning Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0 or Music Ads Workshop 3.0, uh, I will absolutely you know prorate the discount for you. Uh, you'll just need to email John at musicmarketingmanifesto.com because uh, I'll need to create you a special link. But do keep in mind, everyone, this uh, this promo ends on Thursday at midnight. So click that link, check it out, see if it's right for you. All right, back to our questions. Um, wow, I'm so impressed by how many of you are here. Um, probably pretty close to maxing out our phone lines at this stage, um, which is awesome. Um, and um, we've got a lot of questions. I'll do my best. I'm going to go as fast as I can. I don't know if we're going to get through all of these in the in the 25 minutes we've got left, but let's see. So. Um, so this comes from Eric in Los Angeles. He says, hi, John. So we recently tried the boomerang strategy that your student and guest host on your last podcast spoke about. Follow this. Uh, he actually means uh, last insider circle members uh, or, or insider circle monthly lesson. This wasn't a podcast. Um, He's talking about Kevin Getz, who sat in uh, on a lesson. He, uh, this, Eric says he followed the strategy, and we got some amazing interaction and response to the ad, but yet failed to convert uh, really anyone into the funnel. And when we researched why, we noticed everyone across the board was on mobile. It's next to impossible that someone would go and download another program to their phone in order to download the tracks. So my question is, is there another strategy that we can use at the very least? Um, uh, capture the person's email that, that you would recommend. I just don't think people are really willing to click a link to download a song anymore, even an older audience, which is catching up to streaming platforms such as Spotify or Pandora. I feel that although your model has been tried and true for, for years, we believe that this model is slowly going away due to the huge shift to mobile. I'd love to hear your thoughts and any suggestions you may have with this. Um, respectfully, Eric. So, um, uh, I, I, I like questions like this because it gives me an opportunity to, I think, combat what um, is not an uncommon perspective and I, I did I've sort of answered this a little bit before uh, in a couple of other questions but I I really you know I'm not 
I don't teach what I teach because I came up with it 10 years ago and, and want to make money off it. I really don't. And there are easier ways for someone with marketing knowledge to make money. I do what I do because I, I, I'm good at it. I dig it. I like being in the music industry. Um, and, uh, I, I think I have something to something of value to give, you know, I need to sleep well at night and I sleep really well at night doing what I do. I'm, I'm really proud of it. And, um, I, there are many different strategies out there. If I felt that this wasn't effective, I would pivot and do something else. I really would. Um, I this is music marketing manifesto is not my only bag of tri- tricks. I've made millions of dollars in online sales across many different markets. Um, the, uh, people are absolutely still downloading, and most of my traffic on all of my campaigns comes from mobile. And my mobile squeeze pages convert even better than the desktop squeeze pages. Why I don't know, um, but uh, even though I, visually they they they'd strike me as less optimized because um, you got to scroll down to see the arrow in the opt-in form on mobile. Um, but but they're converting very very well. As I say, routinely over forty percent. Uh, I should say routinely over thirty percent. Often over. 40%. 40%. Um, that doesn't mean that every client, well, actually every client of mine is converting over 30% um, that I can think of anyway. Um, uh, but not every student is necessarily coming back with a squeeze page that converts that well, because not everyone is frankly doing as good of a job at putting together compelling offers. Um, if there's a, if there is a problem in the conversion rate, then it has to do with targeting or the offer or the, you know, the copy on the page can be other things like design and technical things. Um, but for every artist, uh, again, th- this goes back to the USP, that unique selling proposition. There is a way to communicate what you do, so long as what you do is unique and special. Um, there is a way to communicate that to an audience uh, that 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 will compel them to want to take the next step to see what it's all about um, and start that journey with you. Um, and uh, there's, you can absolutely uh, still make your music available to those who don't. Uh, so, okay, you commented on the fact that an iPhone you know, can't download a track um, by simply clicking on it without the use of an app. Most people that are mobile dependent have those apps. Not everyone does. Um, and uh, many people just wait till they get home and download on their computers, even if they're on their mobile. Uh, Android users, uh, I don't, I'm an iPhone user, but from what I understand, Android users don't have any issues downloading the track. It does get saved to their phones. Um, and you can also, and I recommend that you do, and I provide it in the templates I offer, um, you know, have a streaming link for people that are on on mobile, um, not streaming to Spotify, but something housed on your own, your own site, uh, where they can click and listen as soon as they sign up. Uh, so, so easily rectified. And it's not about, you know, whether or not they store that track to their hard drive. It's about whether or not they listen to it, engage with it, like it. And as I say, begin the journey. This is a long-term relationship building process. Um, we don't just send out emails that say, bye, 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 bye. We send out emails that are designed to build a relationship first. Um, and we, and in terms of the sale part of this, if you don't feel that, Hey, if your audience isn't buying your stuff, uh, test it, test it against something else. Try a Patreon campaign, ask them to back you that way. Um, try, uh, try a physical CD. I have a lot of artists that do much better with physical CDs, uh, despite what people think about 
physical CDs. Um, you know, the, it's just about figuring out what your USP is, what your brand is, what products your audience is going to be interested in, what experience your audience ultimately wants to to uh to have more of uh in their you know in their life or what experience your audience wants to experience uh and then and then getting in front of them creating that market to message match it's the right message to the right market when things are not working we don't have the right market to message match so again i totally know where you're coming from and it's not the first time i've heard it it's just not the case and and i have like i say many more strategies up up my sleeves and i've done all kinds of stuff i've advertised straight to you know run campaigns to with youtube and spotify and all there's there's there are very few rocks that i have left unturned when it comes to marketing um and uh this is the best way to make money um, as an independent artist, in my opinion. And when I say the best way, it's not going to be the best way, frankly, for every single artist out there. Some of you are, very few of you, but some of you are going to do great just releasing your music to Spotify. And it's going to go viral and it's and, and it's all going to just happen for you with no effort whatsoever. But my goal is to create a strategy that will work for the greatest number of musicians to, to allow you know, if we took a thousand musicians, what strategy is going to make the highest percentage of them um, the most money? And in my experience, as someone who's been doing this a long time, this is it. Um, and that's why I teach it. And if I find another one, I'll teach that. Um, but I haven't. So, um, so there you go. Uh, but I, I totally know where you're coming from and I totally get that you're being respectful and that's, you know, based on your experience. So we need to pop the hood and take a look at why why your car is running uh, running that way. Um, and, and I appreciate where you're coming from. Uh, so next question. Uh I don't know. I don't think I'm going to say this right. Is it Guan uh, in Los Angeles? I've been um, making music for years uh, for my private enjoyment. Now I'm ready to try and earn income from my music. What is the best way to start marketing and selling my music as an independent artist? Well, I believe you should set up a what's called a squeeze page um, to uh, offer some free music away for free, uh, to that gives some free music away in exchange for an email address. Uh, I believe that you need to really hone in on creating on, on who you are, what your unique selling proposition is and create a compelling single sentence or two, you know, as a headline. Uh, that uh, that promises that makes a bold claim or promise about the experience that you mu music offers. Uh, create a page around that that also has images and some media quotes and uh, some some supporting copy. And, and yes, I'm I'm massively oversimplifying this. Um, and then I think you should run ads to it. And then I think you should spend some time optimizing things until you're getting the best price possible. And then I think you should sell, sell stuff to that audience and engage with them regularly and send them free stuff and, and start your tribe. So I know that that's an enormously simple explanation that you couldn't begin to just go out and do based on what I just said, but it's a, it's a long conversation and that's the summary of it. And it's, it's what I teach and, and that's why I teach it because I think it's the best way forward. Um, but there's, there's much you can do. Um, so um, again, I'm just trying, we've got a lot of questions in here and I wanna get through as many as possible because I know a lot of you guys took a lot of um, you know time out of your day to get your questions in. I'm doing the best I can. We've got about 15 minutes left. So 
question from um, Robert in Segovia. He says, um, I would like to get your angle on certain social media things regarding Facebook. Are fans great fans when the average watch time is 23 seconds? And are these uh, and are these so-called fans a real fan just because they gave a like? Uh, is it really worth it, especially when Facebook can close down your account at will? Uh, as well as well as never getting an email address from them. Bit of a long question, but it involves several aspects of Facebook. So long story short, uh, from my perspective, you really can't think about it like that. Just because someone has taken one specific action doesn't make them a fan, of course. Um, what makes a person a fan is, is a person consciously wanting to engage with the content that you put out on a regular basis. Um, or I should rephrase that and say a person wanting to engage with you on a or on a regular basis or with the, uh, I can't rephrase that. <laughs> Sorry, it, it's not about the content that you release regularly. It's about them wanting to regularly engage with that content. If that makes sense, um, it, th that's you know if someone's paying attention and goes, "Ooh, uh, Roberts put out a new a new song. I want to hear this." Then they're a fan. Twenty three seconds means nothing in its in a bubble. Nor does a like. And you bring up an excellent, excellent, excellent point, which is at the core of everything that I do, which is that. If you focus, if you put all your eggs in uh, some social media basket, then you don't own anything. Um, and you're right. Facebook can kick you off the platform. Facebook could become, you know, it could it could collapse like MySpace collapsed. Um, uh, people built, you know, some of you guys are probably even too young to remember it, but MySpace, you know, was before Facebook. And Facebook, I mean, uh, people built careers on MySpace and then MySpace went the way to the dinosaur essentially and uh, those careers ended so you don't want to do that and that's why uh, focusing on email list is um, where I put all of my uh, focus and sure I use social media but I don't I don't invest much in it I use it I think of social media as a traffic source not a um, not a hub well no that's not true it is a hub but not as a traffic source as an engagement tool but it's not it's not um, what is it? It's it's not an asset in the same way that an email list is. Or uh, and I say this to everyone is just a sort of mental exercise, a thought experiment of sorts. If I could snap my fingers and give you one hundred thousand uh, a mailing list consisting of one hundred thousand people that that uh, have have expressed interest in you and your music, you know, that signed up to get your music, do you think you can make a living off of those people? Um, if you couldn't, then something's terribly, terribly wrong. Um, and you're running a terrible business <laughs> because you can make an amazing living off of those people. Simply sending out an, you know, let, let's say you just went into a real simple pattern of sending out an email once a week uh, and for every three just general content emails, you sent out one promotional email. Um, you know, that would be 12 promotional emails a year, 12 emails that went out where you're selling stuff. And, you know, it doesn't have to be just one email. We typically, when we run promotions, we run them for a few days in a row. Um, but 12 promotions a year out of 100,000 people, if you know, you can make, that's a lot of sales coming in at the end of the year. And there's a lot of revenue there. And you essentially have, I don't want to be as cheesy as to call it an ATM because these are real people spending real money with you. Um, 
but uh, but when you need revenue, you turn to those fans, and as long as you're taking care of them, respecting them, providing value um, and entertainment, then you you are going to see that they will spend money with you. Um, and so, yeah, don't put your don't invest in Facebook likes. In my opinion, Facebook likes will come on their own. Invest in building your mailing list, and then hey, you're going to get a lot of likes as a result, and you're going to get even more likes on your content. Go and invite all those people. You know, it takes a few seconds a day, and you'll get a bunch of free uh, uh, likes as a res- you know as a res- or you'll get a bunch of free page likes as a result, and and that'll help. That'll be of some value, but um, it's not the end all be all. All right, next question. And yeah, trying to pick up the pace here. We got um, Rob in Gilroy, California says, my question is um, about how exactly pixels are used. I wanna do a lookalike promotion. If you like Chris Young, you may also like me, uh, for example. Uh, So the pixel is something you put on your, you get it from Facebook, uh, you put it on your website, and if you're using WordPress, which is what I use and recommend, then there's a plugin that allows you to do that. uh, I think it's called insert and header and footer scripts. There's also a Facebook pixel plugin. There's a lot of them. Um, and you, uh, and that basically Facebook then, and not, not any humans at Facebook, but the, the, the algorithm um, is basically kind of think of it as recording all the activity on your site and creating a, a catalog of all that traffic. Um, and so you can go and create um, a custom audience based on people that liked a particular or, or that landed on a particular page and then just target those people, for example. Or you can create a lookalike audience based on um, those people. So you can take that audience and clone those people, tell Facebook, hey, the 5,000 people that landed on this on this thank you page uh, or or that read this blog post or whatever it is you're trying to do, uh, I want to, I want, um, two million people. I want the top one percent of the United States that most closely res- matches the pro- the the profile uh, the profiles of the people that that landed on this page. And you can create these lookalike audiences. Um, you can also track conversions with the pixel. It just basically allows Facebook's algorithm to. Um, to calculate or to make calculations based on behavior on your site. And there's there's a ton of stuff you can do. Lookalike audiences, custom audiences, um, uh, track conversions, events, all kinds of things. Um, you wouldn't so much use it for creating an ad uh, of people who like Chris Young. That's something you can do uh, just in interest targeting. Uh, instead, you would create an audience of people that uh, liked Rob from Gilroy, um, you know, so you you take people that were signing up to your site and then you create a, uh, or, or in, even landing on your website and create a clone of that audience. And that's, that's the better application for this, but you can still go and create an ad. Like you said, you just, the pixel ha- has really nothing to do with it other than tracking conversions. Um, you'd go in and you set up a conversion goal and you'd select it, uh, if you were using conversions as your objective. Um, all something I cover in more detail in things like uh, Music Ads Workshop 3.0. <laughs> um, let's see. Um, a question from Penny and Nina. Uh, is new to much of this, pretty well versed in Facebook marketing, but otherwise a newbie. We just completed our first CD, have a small local following, and are looking to grow, hoping to just listen to others' questions and find out what I don't know. Well, awesome, Penny. Hope, uh, hope 
you found some value in today's call. Uh, Paul in Chicago says, hi, John. I was wondering if there is a big difference between running dynamic ads and actually doing split testing inside of Facebook ads. And when is there a time to choose one over the other? Um, and he, he mentions a few other things, but in the name of speed, um, again, I'm trying to get through as many of these questions in the eight minutes we have left. Um, I'm just going to I'm just going to leave it there. Um, the, the long and short of it is, is that when you use this, the built-in split testing feature that Facebook offers, you're going to get true statistical significance uh, or pretty damn close to it. Um, and that's the goal of the split testing feature. Uh, when you use um, the dynamic creative, you're going to get much, much quicker results, but they're no, not going to be anywhere near as true uh, uh, or statistically correct. So so let's say we want to know what image is working best. We can use the split test feature, spend a heck of a lot of money, um, and then we will really have a strong understanding of which image worked best. If we use dynamic creative, we can test five different images. Um, and what will happen is one of those images will become an early leader and then Facebook will start to favor it. So so you get much quicker results, but you get more skewed results. You may run the same dynamic creative test um, next week and get different results because uh, because of a statistical anomaly that that happened in either one of the, the campaigns. But dynamic creative is much, much cheaper. It's faster. It's easier. And it's still going to get you very valuable information. So I would use dynamic creative um, from yeah, at least speaking to most musicians who are on limited budgets. And how's it going, Paul? One of our Insider Circle members. Thanks. And um, thanks for being here. Um, all right, so let's see, what do we got? Um, uh, so this is from Owen in Dublin. He says, hi, John, I've become a bit disillusioned with the MMM course, but would like to get moving on it again. I got as far as the Aweber tutorial and realized that it will cost 228 euros per year. This is what Aweber charges. Uh, what I find off-putting is the fact that I'm only on the second module and already there's a cost like this. My intention for my website is to sell my album. However, I'm not a gigging artist uh, with a following and I don't have much uh, internet profile yet, so I doubt that the 60-day free trial will yield, yield me much of a return within 60 days. Are there other components that I will need to pay for throughout the rest of the course? And if so, how many? Could you please give me an estimate of how much it would cost me um, in total per year to run my site if I decide to complete the course? Uh, thanks. So, can appreciate where you're coming from, Owen. Um, totally hear you. I, I want to stress a couple of things. One, on the sales page for Music Marketing Manifesto, there is a big, bold headline that says, you know, how much is it going to cost me to, or are there any other costs associated with uh, the strategy? And I do outline the fact that you will need a web host, you will need an autoresponder, uh, and I recommend a plugin that costs $9. It's a one-time fee. Uh, autoresponders start at $20. Uh, the, uh, the one I recommend and strongly recommend does, um, and a website can cost you as little as about 6 bucks um, uh, a month depending on what plan you get. Um, so there are those costs and that's all that I can think of aside from advertising. Advertising is optional. Advertising just really, really, you know, speeds things up. You're going to be going at it much um, more slowly if you don't advertise. Um, you're going to be left with free traffic generation strategies. Um, but uh so it is right there. I don't hide from that. And I'm sorry that you, you know, that kind of bummed you out to be surprised. Obviously, you didn't see that. And fair enough, there's a lot of information on that page. Um, but I do kind of want to 
say like I hear this kind of thing a lot. Well, this costs this money, money, and this costs this money. I get it. I do understand how strap musicians are. I've been there. Um, but if you're gonna set out to start a business, and that's what we're doing, um, whether we like that word or not, that's what we're doing. We're musicians. We're trying to make a living. We're running small businesses. Um, and if you're gonna do that. Every business has got some costs, and these costs are so, so minimal. We're talking, when you average it all out with hosting and everything else, we're talking about less than $25 a month, uh, at the most 30, depending on what what you go for. And those costs will go up as your list grows, but so will your revenue. Um, uh, you know, I've got a huge list and I pay like $300 a month, but it's the best money I spend. And I wouldn't dream of, of trying to go with a simple, a cheaper solution. There are, I should add, free uh, autoresponder solutions out there. There are even autoresponder plugins. Please don't use them. Things won't work as well. Your your email management system, again, your, your email list, as we talked about earlier, it's your biggest asset. It's the biggest asset you're ever gonna have in your career. Going cheap on that, going with something that gets poor deliverability, less stats, no customer support, um, is the absolute worst thing you could do. Uh, I don't know. It's taking the most valuable tool you have and dulling its edges. Um, and uh, I am teaching people how to operate like a real business, and there are going to be some costs. And I'm sorry that's disappointing to people. I disclose it, um, and I don't know of I don't know of any world where that's not the case. Um, and frankly, this the the costs associated with this are about as cheap as one can even ultimately manage, uh, I mean, imagine. Um, but uh, I, as I, as you touched on, I have negotiated a 60 day free trial. That's, there is a, I think the only one out there is for 30 days. Uh, this is longer than anything out there that I'm aware of. Um, and that's a special code for MMM members. Um, and, uh, you know, that should give you some time to at least start to test the waters and hopefully you'll make your first couple of sales, two albums sold, you, you've covered your costs. Um, but, uh, ultimately only you can make that decision whether or not you want to invest in your career or not. I hope that you do. Uh, all right. Next question comes from, sorry, <laughs> my screen is refreshing. Uh, Robert, uh, how are you, John? Happy to join the webinar uh, once more. Awesome. Hi, Robert. Um, I'm I'm good. Thanks. Um, <laughs> sorry, I'm reading very fast. It sounded so flat, but uh, uh, good to have you here. Um, Peso and Collabs says, where can I get the best return on investment with marketing? Uh, the best return on your invest, uh, the best return on your investment. For me, that's currently uh, Facebook and Instagram ads. I tend to do better with Facebook. Um, Instagram is doing better th than it has for me in the past, though. Um, I do have the occasional campaign where Instagram's cheaper. But um, if I'm going to spend any money on my career, it's aside from recording costs. Uh, it's going to be it's going to be on advertising on Facebook and Instagram, and you know, maybe a little Twitter advertising or YouTube advertising as well. But spend money on ads. But make sure you have a system in place that can convert that traffic into sales. Just spending money on ads for the sake of exposure, that's that's going to be a waste. Build a mailing list, build a relationship with that mailing list, then sell stuff to that mailing list. All right, next question. 
Um, do I sound like a crazy person going as fast? I'm not going to make it through all these questions. Uh, William Carr, the best way to get view, uh, William Carr in Detroit says, what is the best way to get views on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube? I hear you have to have your accounts optimized. Uh, there's probably a little you can do in terms of optimization. I don't do any of that. I spend my money on ads because it's quicker, it's easier. And if I can't profit off of those ads and I don't really have a business to begin with, um, so, so that's, that's my answer, which is probably not what you want to hear. Um, but, uh, you're going to be swimming upstream forever. If you are just after free traffic, I would spend money on advertising. But as I said to the last, um, person, uh, uh, make sure you've got a system in place that is designed to convert that traffic into income. Otherwise you're just you that all that traffic's just going to evaporate and bear with me guys i've got i got wow well, yeah i've got like 30 questions here there's no way i can do it um i'm just i'm just um no i can't even click through all of these to to reply so um hmm. i might take all of these and even create some kind of like little bonus q a or something like that but um or I don't know, maybe we can just go a little longer. I don't know. What do you guys think? Should we just go longer? Should I just go for two hours on this and see what I can do? There's still so many of you here, which is really cool. Um, let's see. I'm just seeing how many of you are here and if it might make sense to go a little bit longer. Yeah, most of you are still here. So I'll, I'll go a little bit longer and see what we see, see what we can do. Um, all right. So got to get back to my questions. So just a quick reminder, uh, I won't give you the long speech, but we're doing this uh, today as part of this special Cyber Monday promotion that I'm running at the moment. Um, and uh, the uh, Cyber Monday promotion allows you to get all of my programs bundled together at 60% off. Biggest discount I've ever run. It expires soon. If you're listening in the webinar broadcast room, you should see a button that will take you over to something like Cyber Monday or claim your Cyber Monday discount. If you're not, if you're listening to this later, you can find it at musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash cyber dash Monday. Um, and if you've ever bought anything or if you've ever bought any one of the programs that are in this bundle, I'm happy to prorate the price for you. You'll need to send an email to John at Music Marketing Manifesto com so I can create a special link for you. Um, I do hope that uh, some of you guys listening to this are liking what you're hearing. Um, judging by the retention, it seems like maybe you you are. Um, if if you you know like to deepen your knowledge um, and dive into the direct to fan marketing uh, strategies and approach that, that I've been teaching and cultivating for literally a decade now, um, at music marketing manifesto, then, you know, uh, uh, take advantage of the offer. Um, it will, as far, uh, as far as I can see into the future, it will literally never get better than the current price. And it is going away for good very soon. All right, back to the questions. So uh, KP and Lawrence, I got music all over the internet. I promote, produce, write, mix, and master my own songs. What am I doing wrong? How come I only have listeners from other states that love my music and not in my hometown? Um, well, it just completely depends how you're distributing it um, and how people are getting exposed to it. Um, if you are trying to get people to listen to it from your hometown, I would uh, use a little bit of geotargeting, a uh, little geotargeted advertising, um, which is a great thing for anyone to do. Build that local base um, and it won't take you much. Um, for local advertising, I, I wouldn't usually spend... Um, 
Okay, so there, there's there's a relationship with how much you spend and how big your audience is. Going to a cold audience, I normally don't spend more than $1 per 10,000 people. If I'm running an, uh, an ad or a promotion that's relevant to a local audience, meaning let's say an event in a local area, that shrinks for me to about a dollar per thousand for a much more limited time. Um, you don't want to go much above those ratios or you will start to uh, get diminishing returns. Your, your prices will go up, but your your results won't. Um, at least that, that, that ratios work well for me. So go and set up some geo-targeted ads specific to your areas. Target just your hometown. Um, and you don't need to spend much for many hometowns. That might be a dollar a day, but keep it going kind of in perpetuity and and make sure that local people are, are seeing what you're doing. It'll feel good and it'll make uh, filling live venues um, all that much more easy. Uh, Andy in London, he says, hey, John, great work. Always grateful for your insights. My question relates to ageism in the music industry. Do you think there is a new way to promote older artists without falling back on old cliches and stereotypes, i.e. acting like an old blues guy from the Delta when you are, in fact, a white middle class dude from suburbia? Is it now time to take on ageism by declaring your 70, etc., and proud? Just looking for new ways to address the age issue as there are so many seasoned artists out here looking for a way in. So the age issue is an issue when you're going about things through the very competitive traditional channels. That's why labels focus on younger artists. You know, if you're if you're going to succeed as an international, if you're going to become an international, uh, I don't know, superstar, uh, it's incredibly difficult. Odds are very much stacked against you, so the labels need to stack everything they can um, uh, in your favor. And there's a certain appeal that a younger artist tends to have, not only with a younger demographic, but also even, but also with an older demographic um, that that uh, stacks those odds in their favor. But if you're embracing direct response marketing strategies, all that goes out the window. All that matters is you can create a bond with people. And there's so many ways to do that. Um, for starters, you can target other older people that completely you know, relate and are stoked to see somebody their own age out there being awesome. Uh, but you don't have to do that. You can also target Young people, you just need to make your story relevant to theirs. It's all about what is in it for them. What experiences are they seeking? And then give it to them. Um, should you claim that you're 70 and embrace that? Maybe if that's what your audience wants to um you know, uh, experience if that's if that's who your audience is going to be attracted to, you know, are, will they be if they're 17 year olds? Maybe not um, if they if they are an or, or maybe, you know, it really just kind of depends on how it's all presented. I remember being a teenager and I can't remember his name now, but somebody teamed up with some older 70 or 80 year old blues artist and brought an alternative slant to it. I'm sure some of you listening will remember who I'm talking about. And it was on MTV and it was popular and we were all young and we all thought it was super cool um, that it was older because it was presented with a texture um, that I under I understood. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you bring up a good point, maybe because older guys are acting like old 
stereotypical blues artist the younger audience doesn't understand but maybe if that older 70 year old had a i don't know pink mohawk and um was playing with modern uh production maybe a younger crowd would think it was cool and ballsy um i don't know uh, we need to test it but all you can do is be who you are say screw it uh, to to anyone who's not interested and then and target people who are that's the beauty of of direct response all the 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 rest of the industry screw them it doesn't matter what they're doing all all that matters is that you have something that will appeal to a segment of the world's population and there's a lot of people out there so um i guess i just don't think about it in those terms Uh, it doesn't matter that you're old for my from from where i'm coming from not really um if you were 17 at your prime would that make it a little easier it might does the fact that i I know you're not 70 but if if the artist you're working with is 70 is that going to kill him with a direct defend marketing strategy definitely not Alrighty, alrighty. um i need some coffee after that i'm talking really fast here trying to get these questions out um so Tom in Las Vegas, uh, can you give an example of how you would invest in your independent career if you have $5,000 to invest or in comparison, how would you invest if you had uh, $10,000 taking into account that the artist already has a home recording studio paid for? So uh, great question, but I I don't have a one size fits all answer. It really depends what I was trying to do. Do I already have an album that I'm just trying to move? do, am I trying to release a new album? Um, who's my audience? Uh, what will my audience want to spend money on? Will my audience be willing to buy digital downloads? Will they want physical CDs? Will my audience be more interested in backing me on Patreon? You know, this is why it's so important to start with a strong USP. Figure out who you are, then you know who your audience is. Once you know who your audience is, you know what offer to to give them. You don't want to, as the cliche goes, you don't want to sell ice to Eskimos because they don't need it. So, so you don't want to sell digital downloads to, you know, 17 year olds who probably will be less interested in that. Um, uh, you might, you might try to get them to back a Patreon campaign, or you might leave with the streaming model, um, and monetize it, monetize things through live shows or house concerts and everything else. Um, so, so it really just depends for, for me, you know, if I, if somebody gives me $5,000, it's just going right into advertising to build my mailing list. Uh, cause I know I'm going to generate money, uh, from those people. Now, having said that, I do scatter the audience. I don't put 100% of everything into just trying to get leads. Um, I also do a lot of retargeting, trying to take people back to product pages where they can buy stuff. I also will do a little bit of general awareness stuff, you know, build that uh, Twitter following a little bit, build that YouTube following a little bit. Um, but but it's more like uh, 80 to 90% on leads and the remainder going in, uh, being spread around um uh, to other areas to just kind of for branding sake to, you know, keep, keep my profile at the forefront of my prospects minds, usually with some retargeting, uh, in the mix, not exactly the question you're asking, but, um, but that's my best answer. Mike, uh, 
in Colombia, he says, I have a Facebook custom audience of about 100 people who have who watched 75% of the video. Is that too small of an audience to run a retargeting Facebook ad to? Not necessarily, but possibly. So 100 people is really small. Um, you do much better to have, say, 500 people in there. But I have had success on a few occasions with small audiences uh, and lookalike audiences doing well. Um, you just got to try it and see. Um, but it, it may be too small. But but give it a try. Um Let's see, Deborah in London. Hi, John, I'm not a good salesperson. I find marketing really tricky. So my dilemma is to whether to get a professional to do this work or to do your course and attempt to do it myself. What is best in my case? All right, so here I am in a situation where I have to, you know, like, I don't know, tell you to hire somebody else or tell you to spend money with me. I, I don't I don't like to be, you know, look, my, my marketing's pretty pushy. Me as a person, I'm not particularly pushy. Um, and I'm not trying to create this intense buy, buy, buy environment with you guys. Um, uh, but I honestly think, <laughs> you know, look, I put a lot of work into these courses. I think they're the best out there. Uh, I think everyone should do them. I hear what you're saying. And I and when you say that, it makes me nervous for you that you'll take my course and not be able to implement it. But I don't think anyone can outsource anything if they can't you have if they can't manage their business you have to understand what it is you're going to do if you're going to have somebody to do it i see it a lot where people will hire me to build something for them i build it i hand over the keys to the car so to speak and they don't know how to drive so i and, and it bums me out i i think that you should go through the course spend a little bit of time trying to figure it out and putting your best foot forward and then wherever you think it's weak or it's soft, I mean, spend a little money testing it just to see, but wherever you think it's weak or soft, then bring in a professional. One, it'll cost you a lot less because you can hire someone um, like myself uh, for just an hour to do some tweaking or whatnot. Or you can partner up with somebody else um, or even pay somebody full time to do sort of this long term management. But you can monitor things. You can decide, are they doing a good job? If you just were to hire somebody to do a marketing for you really if you don't understand it. If you don't understand the selling triggers that are meant to be at various points throughout the funnel, you'll have really no way of, of reviewing the work and determining if what someone's doing for you is good or bad. And if it underperforms, why is that? Is it because the because uh, your music's not compelling or is it because the person you uh uh hired to do the job is doing a bad job? So I, I think we all need to, you know, you can't run a pizza restaurant unless you can make a pizza. So, so go, go try to learn this yourself and then just acknowledge your own weaknesses and bring in people where needed. That would be my, my best advice. Um, but again, you know, that's a little bit, you know, bias cause it's obviously my course that I'm talking about. Um, and I don't want you to feel that I'm just telling you to spend money for the sake of spending money. Um, but that's the, that's the size of it. Uh, Cliff in Norwalk, any thoughts on how to deals with, uh, discount distributors who are discounting your album on Amazon. No, I don't have any thoughts on that. Um, and I don't know that you will, uh, I, it's not something I've looked into. I don't know. <clears throat> I don't know that you'll be able to, I don't think that there's a lot of control that you have once it's, you know, considered a used item. I'd have to look into it. Um, I, th I think you might be sort of screwed on that one, but Okay, so one little bit of food for thought. 
again, for every problem, there's sort of a solution. So where these things hurt us, where something like Amazon or even Spotify hurts us is when we run a long term monetization strategy. So an MMM, I don't focus on buy, buy, buy right out of the gate. I focus on building relationships um, and I give them free music. And that funnel to, you know, runs for about seven to 10 days. And in that time, if somebody becomes a fan, if they become actually interested in what we're doing, of course, they're going to pull out their phone and see if they already have your music. Of course, they're going to do a few Google searches and see that it's on Amazon for a lot cheaper because of time. So if time is killing you because it's in all these other places, then switch things up and lead with maybe a free for shipping and handling offer, um, <clears throat> which is you know something uh, we've talked about a lot around MMM. There's a training lesson on it in the Insider Circle. And uh, like Josh from the Empty Pockets, who's been on the podcast, he does really well with that strategy, sort of a modified MMM approach where instead of giving away uh, free music, he does free for shipping and handling. So, you know, gives away a free album. You just, and it's a physical album. You just need to pay, you know, the three, three to five bucks uh, for shipping. Um, and what happens is, what I don't find is that if the, if the time is very compressed like that, you land on a page, a really good offer is put in front of you that is really appealing and compelling. People will take action before even bothering to look elsewhere, especially for something like free for shipping and handling. Um, so that would be my my thought is if you really think that it's killing you or hurting you, then either A, sell something else or B, shift your offer um, to, to deal with it. Just when marketing, it's just all about overcoming resistance. What are the reasons people aren't buying or taking action? Now let's let's solve that. Let's and there's a solution for everything. Let's come up with a, let's solve that by giving them a different offer or positioning things differently, um, you know, or go, going about things in some different way. All right, Rick in Detroit. Doesn't Facebook attract an older demographic? Wouldn't Instagram be better for a younger audience? Isn't using YouTube a better way to qualify people who are interested in your music? As you can tell, who watches and listens at least seventy five percent through, so you can then set up a lookalike audience then port that data to Facebook. So you use YouTube to collect qualified data first. So, um, uh, yeah, the, I, I don't pay too much attention to all the, the headlines, but yeah, as far as I know, Instagram uh, slants younger. Um, but it doesn't matter from my perspective all it, it, because for everybody that says Instagram's where the younger audience is, there's somebody else that says, well, yeah, but I'm getting a great young audience on Facebook. There are certainly young people on Facebook. There are young people on, on Instagram. There are old people on Instagram and there are obviously old people on Facebook. The nature of the platform is is different, and that to me is what is more significant. Um, Instagram is a different platform with different consumption habits than Facebook. So to me, it's about figuring out what you want your audience to do and then aligning your message with the market. Um, and for example, if I was trying to get people to quickly consume and maybe listen to something on Spotify, I'd probably be looking at things like Instagram story ads. Um, if I was trying to get people to sign up on an email list, I'd probably be looking at more to Facebook. Um, what I do in every campaign is I throw out those preconceptions of what it is that, who it is that's gonna reply, and I just look at what gets me the best return on my investment. Maybe maybe it's 65-year-old women in Texas when when you're an 18-year-old hip-hop artist. We just don't, don't know. Um, and it doesn't matter if we're getting the positive ROI. Now, there is something to be said for people that are trying to position themselves to get a big record deal and they, you know, they, they need to focus on the, 
the right demographics so that the label will be more interested and they can build the career properly. Um, uh, if, if that's the approach, then yeah, you need to think about where that audience is. But ultimately I would just really recommend going out and, and trying everything. There are billions of people out there and we're only going to get in front of, well, in time you get in front of many millions of them. But at the end of the day, the audience that you attract is only going to be for most of you, tens of thousands strong. Um, and so, uh, and when I say audience, I'm talking about the mailing list and the followers. Um, uh, obviously if you're going to break and become some international success, you're going to, you're going to have a bigger audience. But, um, as an independent artist, as, as an independent business, uh, it's going to be somewhat smaller. So there's more than enough traffic. We don't need to necessarily know how the platform slants. We just need to get in front of the audience. that's going to get us the best ROI based on our needs. And, and Facebook's in, still incredibly healthy uh, for that. And because of the consumption habits, if you're trying to build a mailing list, I, I still generally have better luck with Facebook, although Instagram is fine. Um, but uh, again, it's about your market, it's about your goals, it's about the consumption patterns of your audience and, and how that aligns with the platform. Um, I don't think YouTube is a better way of qualifying people, no. Facebook gives you the same insights um, and I find it much, much easier. And you can go and create a lookalike audience so I'll often do that. I'll take a video, release it on Facebook and create a, a lookalike audience of people who've watched at least 75% of it. They have custom audiences in Facebook. Very, very easy to use. Very, very easy to clone. Um, uh, and that it works much better for me and I get a much better return on my investment. So uh, Facebook for me um, uh, over over YouTube, but YouTube's fine as well. It's, it, it's just about your audience and your platform. To me, YouTube is great for those artists who really want to become YouTube artists, who want to monetize their their platform through YouTube and really focus on building an audience that way. I I think that's a that's a harder thing to do than Facebook ads to email list. But uh, but for some people who are really video centric, I think that it makes sense. It just again depends on you and your your objectives, your USP, your unique selling proposition. Um, uh, and of course those are just my experiences. So, uh, Karen in, uh, Newington, uh, what format are you talking about? I just joined the conversation. Are we talking WordPress? Uh, I don't know necessarily what aspect of the conversation you're talking about. The websites I build are in WordPress, um, but they don't have to be, you can build them in whatever you want. Um, we're talking a lot about social media and other platforms as well. Um, all right. So we still got more questions. I just need to shift over here got 20 more questions let's see um i'm definitely going to wrap up okay as as a lot of you guys know i've extended this to two hours i'm definitely going to wrap up in nine minutes um so i'm going to go as fast as i can and sound like a crazy person uh thanks a lot by the way guys for sticking sticking around as long as you have there's just a ton of you still here and it's uh it's really awesome in fact numbers just like gone way up this is this is wild i feel like staying here all day and taking advantage of this like numbers have like doubled in the last five minutes i don't know how that's even possible two hours in um maybe maybe we should stay here i don't know we'll see <laughs> um, this is, you know, I, I don't know. This is kind of fun. Uh, Trevor and Hamilton says, I have found that Facebook is an ideal platform to actually practice copywriting. You can do it on a daily basis and you get instant feedback, either uh, comment or data. Totally agree. Excellent point. 
Facebook is a great place to um, practice copywriting. And uh, if you've never used Dynamic Creative, uh, Facebook's feature, their Dynamic Creative feature allows you to test um, copy or test different sort of, you know, five different uh, primary text fields and you get some real quick information. Again, it's not as conclusive. It's not always completely statistically significant, uh, but it's indicative of, of what's working and what's not. And it's, I love that feature. Best, best feature Facebook's really ever introduced and so handy and such a, such an invaluable copywriting tool. And I start every campaign doing that. And then I take the best performer and then I use it to modify. I I usually replace whatever headline I had on my squeeze page. Um, and, uh, with something that more or less mimics my best performing, uh, ad copy. And then I just keep testing and keep refining and things get better and better and better. Great point. Um, so let me just, I got a bunch of these questions to approve. Let me see here. Um, all right. Um, question, sorry, my screen keeps refreshing every time I approve a question. Question from Willie and Converse. How do, uh, how do you feel about streaming versus sales? So, um, I'm a huge, huge, huge believer that for the majority of independent musicians, a sales model is essential. Um, you know, if, if let's say you want to make, I don't know, just to make the math easy, $60,000 a year, which, you know, we don't all need to make $60,000 a year, but that's a decent salary for most. Um, with sales, selling an album at uh, 10 bucks a pop, you need to sell, um, what is wrong with my brain? 6,000 copies a year. Um, that's a lot and that's not easy, but that is doable. A lot of musicians can sell 6,000 copies a year um, to make the same revenue with streams roundabout, you need a million streams per month, give or take. And, and, you know, in a, in, from a decent market, you know, from the U S Canada, that kind of thing. Um, and most independent artists are just never going to hit that mark. Doesn't mean you can't, doesn't mean some aren't. Uh, again, my goal is to give the greatest number of musicians the best shot at living a life in music. And so I feel that this a sales model, model is essential. And if you're not embracing a sales model, then I think you're leaving a ton of money on the table. I also don't have a personal dislike of streaming models purely because there are usually gatekeepers involved. There is stuff you can do with pay-per-click. Um, and I've certainly heard some success stories there where the, you know, you run some money at, at with ads and then the algorithm kicks in and it turns into something significant. But I've, th- those, those success stories, at least that I've heard are few and far between and you're back to the same old odds that we were, we as musicians were facing when it was the old music industry um, where, you know, your chances were better being struck and killed by lightning than they were at, at going, you know, at breaking at becoming successful going gold. Um, so, so I don't like anything that has gatekeepers and I like, I I'm trying to teach thousands of people. And so I, I'm trying to come up with a strategy that will work for the most people possible. And so I think a sales model is essential. Doesn't mean you can't also embrace streaming. Um, somehow I'm getting pigeonholed into this anti-streaming thing and maybe, maybe I've implied it at times. Um, but streaming is here to stay not going anywhere. And, um, there's nothing wrong with it. I'm just saying be smart. And if you want to embrace a sales model, be, because the math that I'm outlining makes sense to you, um, then 
don't ask people to buy an album that they already have because um, that's obvious. Um, that's not going to work so well. You're going to you are you will still see sales, um, but those you'll see far fewer sales in my experience. Um, it's an impossible thing to split test because you can't release one the same album on streaming and not on streaming at the same time. But I see it over and over again where a person is selling through their funnel and then they release to um, Spotify and then those sales go way down um, and then they take it off Spotify and then they go back up again. So uh, my, my personal opinion is that we should window our releases uh, either hold them back for a while until we've maximized what we can from our from our audience, like artists like even Taylor Swift and Adele have done, or release just the singles to streaming so that they, we can still benefit from music discovery, so the music's still out there, so that we can still um, uh, you know generate income, but uh, so that uh, you know we still stand the chance of actually selling our music to the real diehard fans that's what i would do uh, for most for in most situations but there there is no one size fits all answer um somebody uh didn't give a name said don't you teach copywriting in your mmm course what's the difference with the individual copywriting course absolutely so mmm uh, teaches uh, there's definitely overlap between all of the products but each one is focused on different areas so mmm teaches a bit of copywriting it teaches you what you need to implement the strategy copywriting for musicians attempts to really kind of uh I don't know if I go as far as to say make you an expert because nothing makes you an expert other than years and years of doing something. But it, it's go the goal of copywriting for musicians is to really go deep into the subject and um, make you more of an expert on copywriting than something. You know, music marketing manifesto gives you the copywriting tools you need to get going um, and set up. But copywriting for musicians uh, hopefully gives you the tools that you need to. Uh, really excel um, as a copywriter um, and sort of go off script, so to speak. Uh, so so it's in much more depth. Same with advertising. Uh, Facebook, our Music Marketing Manifesto and Record Release Formula cover advertising, but it's enough to implement the strategies. Music Ads Workshop gives you uh, an education on Facebook advertising in general to make you a more advanced marketer who can pivot and make decisions in many different situations um, as opposed to just the what's in the course. All right, so we got um, we got Charlie in, in Waco. He says, "Will this broadcast be available as a recording to be viewed later?" Yes, it will. Re replay will go up, and I'm planning on trying to get it out as a podcast, maybe even later today. Um, and then Michael in New York City says, "John, did you talk about YouTube ads yet? What are your thoughts?" Thanks. Uh, talked about it a little bit. Uh, I do a little bit of YouTube advertising, primarily, uh, really just for those artists that are trying to build YouTube followings. Um, I don't do a lot of it because my ROI personally is much better on Facebook and Instagram. Um, but there are some artists who, you know, for for whom YouTube is a great platform and it can be a great tool to get. Uh, or, or for artists that are really trying to position themselves for a record deal and are trying to get all their socials up. So I'll run video view ads uh, and also run, uh, well, they're all video view ads, but I'll, I'll um, run channel ads. So, so short little 15 second videos, uh, trying to ask people to subscribe to your channel and giving them a good reason to do it. And then I'll use video view ads to um, a targeted video view ads to try to build my subscribers. That's been pretty effective uh, for artists that are trying to hit that 1,000 subscribers so they can monetize their channel. And then also, as I say, I'm um, just, you know, people who want to get their view count up in a legitimate way. Um, 
you know, ads that get you a whole bunch of feedback as well. I, I, I do targeting. I target first world countries. Uh, I don't go global, pay a little bit more, get much higher quality target uh, videos and pages of similar artists. Um, all right. Um, Paul in Boston says Facebook had some bad press this year uh, related to elections. Has that affected the way you use them? Nope. Hasn't affected me at all. Uh, I just pay attention to ROI and how, how, uh, how my ads are doing, you know, am I getting the return that I need to in order to justify continuing to spend the money? That's all I am really focused on. Um, Ben in Grand Rapids says, is everything a storytelling challenge? I don't totally understand the question. Is everything a story? Are you asking, is everything in marketing ultimately boiled down to storytelling? Um, I don't know, not everything, no, but but yeah, at the core of, of marketing, it's storytelling. At the core of everything, it's storytelling. We human beings are these naked apes wandering around in the world, uh, and we grab onto things that help our, help bring some order to the chaos, and that's why storytelling is so effective, and, and that's why the USP that we talked about and why the lifestyle is such a significant aspect of of what branding ultimately is, why it's not just about music, um, because it's about storytelling. It's about things that help things make sense to us. Um, and so, yeah, it's very, very important. And I used to hear that all the time. My manager used to said the industry, they, the labels, they want to know, they're all asking, what's the story? What's the story? And I used to think it meant like, well, well I'm John, I'm a musician, I'm a singer songwriter from Hawaii. You know, that that's my story. You know, I, I used to think it was a literal thing. What's the story? And then I started thinking it meant, you know, how, how many, you know, albums have you sold? How big is the following? What are the stats? And it's, it's really neither. It's what's the thing that is going to allow strangers to instantly grab onto you and go, I get this. I know what this is. And I like what this is. Um, and, and we, we do that through story and we keep people engaged through story. Um, so Nigel from Los Angeles says, <clears throat> you sure you sure do like giving a negative impression on record labels. Thanks. Some of us, uh, he mentions that he's a CEO of Power Black Productions. Uh, some of us study continuously, spend a fortune that we never get back, and sacrifice time and resources. I lost everything but passion and drive to continue with empowering musicians and models and fans, but it seems your negative opinion on record labels is the most popular and most contagious. I have greater things to offer than money. No, this is a totally fair comment. You're absolutely right. There's a lot of really great people, particularly independent record labels. There are definitely a lot of altruistic people that just love music and want to do it. Um, and and there are a lot of really fair deals out there, particularly from independent labels. So, you know, that's probably deserving of some distinction. My, my focus, uh, my criticisms, I don't know. I'm not even actually critical of labels, only in the sense that that they make promises that they don't keep, um, you know, or, or they can. Um, I was promised the world. I got the biggest new artist signing in history. And the one question I asked before I signed was, are you going to drop me if my album doesn't sell? That's what I want to know. Because I had eight offers from eight of the biggest record labels in the world, all with pretty much the same amount of money being offered. And I went with Interscope because, you know, and I, and I no disrespect to the guy, Jimmy Iovine told me that uh, he would not drop me if if the album didn't sell well. Well, you know, what? it didn't sell well and I got dropped and I didn't even have a conversation about it. So that's where the negativity 
um, comes from is stories like that. And, you know, I spent many more years spinning my wheels instead of just making music because I was waiting for others to do their jobs and they didn't, but that doesn't mean that everyone's doing that. And it doesn't even mean that I think Interscope's bad. They're a business. They got things to run. I was foolish for, for believing they would care about anything other than the bottom line. Cause they're a giant corporation. Um, it's, it, I just, I like self-empowerment and um, I like not relying on others. But if, as I said to Mickey, when he asked about the pros and cons, if you can find someone who can bring something to the table that you can't, um, then then a record label, a record deal can be a great thing. And and you can demonstrate that you can bring something to the table for these artists that they can't. Um, and you can demonstrate that you really care by offering fair terms. And as long as you offer fair terms, then there's, then, then it's, then it's great. And, and I can obviously tell in your message that you're a person who cares and there are many of you out there and, and good on you. So it's, it's not a blanket statement, but, um, the reason a lot of us out here feel that way about labels is be, not only because of the frustrations I express, but it's also because there are a lot of people who feel they're very talented who are getting absolutely no, uh, uh, love from, uh, any of the labels and, and because they think that that's the only path for them, they're not making music and they're not getting to live a life in music. Um, and I'm trying to suggest that you don't need the labels and you can go out there and you can do it yourself. Um, so, um, a question from John and Exeter. He says, hi, John, I've heard you speak about developing your brand or as you put it, a USP about what your personal store sorry, USP about your personal story in order to entice people. I wondered whether you can speak more about uh, ways to word this in ads, etc. Many thanks. So I talked about this earlier, so I won't spend too much time on this. Um, if you came in late, you might, you might check out the replay. It'll go up later, um, both on probably iTunes as a podcast and probably the same link that whatever, whatever link brought you here will bring you back to, um, uh, the replay. But, um, and you can probably find it on the homepage of the site later today. But uh, long story short, your USB is your unique selling proposition. It is the single. It is if you were um, if you were a fly on the wall and you listen to a fan get in the car with a friend, and that fan had just seen you play or just listened to your album, and they were blown away. They loved what they heard. And that friend that picked them up in the car. I don't know why I'm using this complicated analogy, but had had not. Um, uh, where'd my brain go there? The friend knew nothing about you, had not seen the show or listened to the album. And this fan came in and said, I just heard John from Exeter's music. Oh my God, it's amazing. It's so great. It's, you know, how would they finish that sentence? Whatever that is, whatever a real person would say about what was immediately obvious and great about you, that's your, that's your USP, or at least in simplest sense. Um, and they wouldn't say, um, John from Exeter's music was a soulful, um, uh, uh, I, I can't think of anything flowery to say, but people usually, when I give them this exercise, they come back with something that sounds like a journalist wrote it. That's not how people think and talk. We're trying to get to the core essence of how people think. Um, and, and that's your USP. And now how I use it in ads, sometimes it's, it's deliberate. Sometimes I just kind of take the USP and use it in an ad as is and try it. Other times I reword it in a way that is more appropriate for an ad. Because again, the USP is an internal do document, an internal statement that defines the brand. It's not necessarily meant for public consumption. Uh, all right. Next question. Uh, Stuart, uh, 
uh, uh, we've obviously gone over the hour. Let me just see who's here. Okay, numbers are starting to go down. Uh, we still got quite a few of you here, but but we've seen a little bit of a drop off. So um, we'll try to wrap up pretty soon. Uh, Stuart in San Diego, John, you teach about Facebook marketing. What about Instagram? Is there an opportunity there? Yep, do teach about Instagram. I cover it in my courses. Facebook owns Instagram. So it's all run from the same ad platform. So they're kind of one in the same. Um, and absolutely, there's opportunities there. Um, great opportunities um, with every campaign. I test both platforms and see what what works. Um, uh, more often than not, I personally get a better return on my investment through Facebook, but not always. And, and has been, cha- you know, Instagram has been performing better and better for me. For some, it, perform- it performs best um, all the time. So you got to just test it. But definitely opportunities there and not too different from Facebook ads uh, from an advertising perspective. Um There are nuances I could go into, actually, but, uh, you know, we don't have time today. Jay from uh, Gillingham says, why do musicians give their music to Spotify if the revenue share is almost not worth having? I got 20,000 streams and earned 14 pounds. Um, (coughs) JAntonio.com. So, um, yeah, well, you know, we talked about that a little bit earlier. Most musicians do it because it's the way that most consumers want to experience it at the moment. Um, my argument is it's not the only way that a real fan is willing to consume it. It's a great way to get in front of people instantly. And, and, and there's a lot of benefits to it, but as you say, it's, there's a lot of negatives. So my, my advice, as I've said already in this call is to just figure out what your ultimate goals are and then pick a monetization strategy that works. If you're going to try to sell an album, don't give the entire album to streaming or you will make a lot less money no one's going to buy an album they already have or very few people are going to buy an album they already have um so just release the singles or release the older catalog or you know if, or or mon- or don't monetize through album sales at all and monetize through patreon um you know just figure out a strategy that works based on your needs your goals and your audience's wants but i i don't recommend ignoring the streaming platforms altogether um because there's music discovery to be had there and there is revenue uh to to generate on average it's about five thousand bucks per million streams um so mary in oakland says you just mentioned that some artists do better are uh are actually successful selling physical CDs. How do we do that? If your music is also on Pandora or Spotify, my fans who are older don't understand how little artists make from an individual stream. They will hear a song of mine when I perform and then probably tell me they bought it on iTunes or whatever, not seeing that I sell them physically from my website. In other words, where is the incentive? I'm almost thinking of taking stuff off uh, iTunes. Well, you just touched on it. How do you control that? You you remove this stuff from the platform so that they have to buy it through your platform, uh, um, or you or you undercut the prices. Uh, I don't necessarily think you need to remove it for uh, from selling on those individual platforms. If people want to go and buy it there, then so be it. Um, but, uh, you know, as you mentioned with, with Spotify, don't ask people to buy it if you're already giving it to them. Well, you can, and you will sell some, you'll just sell less. In terms of how to sell physical CDs, um, it's just a matter of offering them. You know, um, I have a lot of artists that will put sort of product options together buy a digital for 10 bucks buy a physical for 15 and more people are buying a physical um some are doing free for shipping and handling with a physical cd up front um and you know that's working really well as well um so there's really no trick to it it's just 
get capturing the attention of your audience, building your list and then asking them to buy stuff. You can also communicate with your list and tell them what you just told me that how most people don't realize how hard it is. And if you want to show your support and keep you in business, then um, then then please buy it here. You know, that's 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 pretty effective, actually. Um, Trevor from Hamilton. How's it going, Trevor? Um I'm up in Kerry Kerry. Thanks, John. Gotta go. Good stuff. <laughs> He's just saying goodbye. Uh, good good stuff from this. Um, uh, awesome. Um, thanks for being here, Trevor. Uh, Rich from London. Hey, John, is there a way of dropping the PayPal fee when you sell on your site? Seems to be taking around 18%. Um, it depends what country you're on. There's no real way of, of dropping a PayPal fee. Uh, I, I assume you're talking about your site. I don't sell through PayPal. Um, uh, I don't know what you mean. Pay, I'm yeah, PayPal taking 18%. That's crazy. They take about 3% in the US. I'm not sure. I know they take more in New Zealand where I've been living, but I don't do many sales through that. So I don't know. I don't know what you're experiencing or where you're seeing um, 18%. Got to look into it. Uh, that's just, that doesn't sound right. Um, it's not sure. I'm just quickly searching something. Yeah, I. I don't know. I don't know why you're experiencing 18%. PayPal's fees are not 18%. Um, as far as I know, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong. Um, maybe there's some country or word setting or something like that. I don't, I don't get, um, let's see. Pamela in Cincinnati, even though, how's it going, Pamela? She says, even though I normally send ads through Ads Manager for ads on Instagram, sometimes I want to advertise directly from Instagram since it will link directly into the IG profile instead of the Facebook profile for younger audience. Are you aware of any way to put Pixel on promoted posts sent directly from Instagram? Uh, also, it seems to limit the duration of the boosted post for only 30 days. Uh, is there a way to run without an expiration date uh, that you're aware of? I do. Uh, so, so I didn't mention that earlier. Um, as you, as Pamela touches on, you can advertise directly from Instagram. I never, I've not done it once. I don't do it. You can advertise the promoted post within Facebook. So when you go, what I do when I want to do that, I'll often do this when, when I'm, let's say, uh, let's say I put a podcast episode out or blog post or, or even, you know, got a new music video for music and I'm going to release it on Instagram and on Facebook and I want everybody to see it. What I'll go and do, uh, and I want the Instagram engagement on the actual post. Um, what I'll go and do is go into Facebook. I'll set up two different ad sets, one Facebook only, one Instagram only. Uh, and then from when I get to the ad tab within the Facebook ad manager, I will select um, uh, existing post, use existing post instead of creating an ad. And then there's a Instagram tab and then I can see my Instagram post and I'll select that and it will run. It will run all the uh, traffic to that post and I'll pick up all those likes and all that kind of stuff that I assume is what your goal is. And um, that should work for you. So I don't have any advice for using the Instagram dashboard. I just have honestly never, never done it. Um, and I've never had a need to do it. Um, and you, you can do what I think you're describing um, through the Facebook uh, ads manager as well. Um, all right. Um, I keep saying we're going to end and then the, and then, and then we get a whole new rush of callers and I just, I don't know, I'm this obsessive compulsive person who feels bad not answering everybody's questions. Marion Oakland, definitely interested in the age issue. Baby boomers want their music. Um, she's uh, chiming in on the previous conversation about age Octavio. Uh, and so, you know, um, Andy, there's a, 
there's somebody who who's uh, uh, echoing the fact that baby, baby boomers want music. So there you go. Uh, Octavio in Buenos Aires. Hello, John. Electronic musician from Argentina. Dream puppet. Not sure how to break into the industry at a reasonable s- step. Music producer, not a DJ. What do you think is the best first step? Not much communication so far. I have to put work on that. I am not local-based artist. I'm focused on world audience. Thank you. Best regards, Octavio, a.k.a. Dream Puppet. So my whole focus is selling directly to consumers, building relationships, building fans up. And as a producer, um, that can be a little bit different. So if you're a producer releasing music for fans, then, um, you know, my advice is the same as everybody. Uh, set up a squeeze page, give away some free music, build an audience, build a relationship with that audience, keep on communicating with that audience and occasionally sell stuff to that audience. If you're just a producer who's working on other artists and you're looking to break into the industry, it's going to be more a networking thing than than, than a marketing thing. And that's not something that you know, I can help with as readily. Um, next question. Brian in Sacramento says, hi, my question is this. Uh, wait, sorry, where did Brian go? Um, and how's it going, Brian? Um, Brian's a regular member of the Insider Circle and I uh, sat in on the podcast or no, it was a lesson, was it, Brian? I don't know. Good dude, been around for a while. Um, always good to see you here. He says, hey, John, just want to say that being on this call has been invigorating and I want to give a special shout out to the Copywriting for Musicians course which is included in the Cyber Monday bundle you mentioned earlier. You're one of the best out there when it comes to using words to influence people, which is probably what makes you a great songwriter too. Thanks, Brian. I says, but when it comes to marketing, this copywriting course changed my whole point of view on writing, whether that being that be blog post writing and copywriting, squeeze page writing, even songwriting for that matter. This copywriting course made it fun and easy to write vulnerably about my real story as a musician, which can be embarrassing and scary to share with thousands of strangers and close friends alike. I mean, that's why we we, uh, musicians write songs and sing them, right? So we don't have to talk about anything directly, LOL. But this course made it fun and much easier to do that and connect with new fans. And to anyone listening, just want to say that John didn't tell me to say this. I uh, was just inspired by this discount he's offering on all these courses, especially the copywriting course. I think y'all are hella lucky to get access to it. And especially at this price. Cheers, y'all. Thanks, uh, John Bryan. That's awesome, Brian. Thanks. You, you always uh, always make my day. Um, I really appreciate all that. Uh, and uh, the discount he's talking about can be found at musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash cyber dash Monday. Uh, or you can click the get, claim this discount button that you should see in the webinar broadcast area if that's where you're at. Um, Ron Tippin from Waterford says, hi, my question is this. Let's say someone joins my mailing list and my email automation sends them uh, the free items that initially attracted them to signing up. Then over the course of the next few days, I send them a series of emails that tells them a bit of my band's story in order to educate them on the group and get them to bond with us on a deeper level. My question is, how many days should I spread the emails out and how long should they be? I've currently got a six day history of my band story series that goes out daily two days after the initial email. Each day email is not terribly long, but fairly long. At the end of it, I make an offer to them to buy something from my merch store at a discount with an upsell. If they don't purchase anything, I send them back into the email series of educating them on our on our band uh, and offering things of value. If they do buy something, I send them to a customer list. My main question though is, just about those initial emails is my series too long should they be shorter emails or more in-depth email stories acceptable and how many days maximum should these stories these series go thanks so much okay so real 
quick answers to a really in-depth question that actually does have a lot of nuance to it. Um, how long should the emails be? How long should your copy be? Um, my phone is going crazy there. Uh, it should be. They should be as long as they need to be. It's all about just what communication is necessary to get the response that you're ultimately after. Sometimes that's really short. Sometimes that's really long. Um, and it, you know, it doesn't so much matter as long as what they're reading is compelling and makes them want to com continue reading. Um, how long should the emails be? Uh, I tend to stick with a. First email goes out immediately. Second email goes out then one day later. Then the next email, I put a two-day break between. The next email, I put a three-day break between. And then I go in for some kind of a uh, limited time off or some kind of a boom, 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 every day for three days kind of push. That's what I teach in MMM, but that's not the only way to do it at all. It's just what works and works well for a large number of people. Um, it's just about putting yourself in the shoes of your prospects. Where are they? What do they need to, to hear? It's to make a possibly uncomfortable analogy. It's like dating. You know, sometimes things move fast. Sometimes they move slow. It's all about the person you're dealing with and what they need to experience. And, and, uh, so you need to do your best to put yourself in the shoes of your fan and, and ask them, sort of like, are they interested? What do they need more of? Do they need more communication before I go in heavy for a sale? Do they need less communication? And then of course we have stats to sort of guide us along, along the way. How much should you email? Um, there's an old marketing adage that I really like that says, you know, the, the number of sales you get is going to be in direct proportion to the number of times you ask for the sale. So, more is often better when it comes to sending out emails. You'll typically make more money the more times you send out promotional emails. But we also have to balance that against good taste and um, preserving the relationship. So it's really up to you what you're comfortable with and what your audience seems to be responding to. Some artists I see email almost every day and do a good job of it. Other artists um, email once a month and do a good job of it. So just what's getting you the results if you've been emailing once a month, try emailing more frequently and, or, or sorry, uh, you, you're talking about autoresponder campaign. So, so go and create another campaign that emails more and then run them side by side, see which one gets better results. Um, you know, you can split test campaigns now quite easily by, uh, by creating multiple campaigns with an Aweber using different triggers to trigger each one and then sort of sending people to different squeeze pages, each one triggering a different campaign. And you can, you can then go and um, just kind of look at the numbers and see, see what works uh, best. So again, longer answer would probably do you some good, but we're running out of time. Um, I'm really gonna stop now after after seven minutes, I promise. Um, Mary from Oakland, she says, can you comment on the shorter five song album versus one with more tracks? Uh, from my perspective, one with more tracks, you can charge more money for, uh, or you can charge more money for one with more tracks. So that's the bigger reason I like longer albums. But if you just don't have one, you can sell a shorter album. Nothing wrong with that, but it's a lot of work to make, you know, four or five dollars. That's that's my only criticism. Um, but, uh, you know, all you can do is uh, uh, the best you can do. Um, and yeah, <laughs> there you go. And also, again, when you give away one or two uh, or three songs off of a short album to the streaming platforms, then you've you've given away um, a lot more of the album and and de-incentivized to, to a small extent. But again, there's nothing really wrong with doing that. Can I answer these remaining line questions in seven minutes? We'll see. 
uh, Bob in Cleveland says, can you provide more info on the older courses you have in your bundle, album launch and copywriting? Do you offer any of that info on MMM4? Can we read a content list? Yes, you can. Uh, you go to musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash cyber dash Monday and scroll down to the frequently asked questions in that uh, in the frequently asked questions. There's only a few because there's only been a few frequently asked questions that have come in so far. Uh, there are links to the sales pages of each of those products. Now, as you mentioned, a couple of those were taken off the market. So I went and created a dummy uh, sales page for each one. Um, I, I took the sales page and just you know removed the order buttons uh, so that you could see what was offered. But the sales videos there, you can literally check out each one of the pages. Just go to the frequently asked questions there. Um, and that'll answer your questions. The super short version is that uh, Record Release Formula teaches you how to release a, an album in real time using um, and taking into consideration all the offline marketing things that we might need to consider, like press and radio and and everything else, um, and and how to deal with a, an actual schedule, and uh, uses an actual album release campaign as the case study uh, or as an example. And then um, MMM 4.0 teaches you how to create an automated marketing funnel for an album that has already come out, that already exists. Uh, Music Ads Workshop is an advanced Facebook advertising course that teaches you much more in-depth Facebook advertising than what you would learn in the other two courses. Copywriting for Musicians teaches you much more in-depth copywriting than what you would learn in Music Marketing Manifesto, where it's also covered to a much smaller degree. Um, and you can learn more on those links that you'll find there on the page. Um, El Rashid and uh, I don't know how you say is it Abuja um, says, hi, John. Uh, uh, I recall from an email reply that I need a website to use the MMM. Uh, I need a system that will enable me to build a large mailing list before selling my songs. What other things do I need to have working system and what the total cost of setting things up? I talked about this in the earlier in the call, but long story short, to implement the system that I teach, you will need a website, an email management system, and there's a $9 plugin that I recommend. So uh, email management system costs 20 bucks in the course I give you, uh, sorry, it starts at about $20 a month. I think it's $19.95 a month US. Um, and it goes up as your subscribers grow, but your income will grow up, grow at that stage. So it will mitigate the cost. Um, that is, uh, what was, what else? Uh, so yeah, 19 bucks a month. I've got a free 60 day trial link. That's Aweber offers a 30 day trial. I've got a 60 day trial link in MMM. So that, that will get you, save you some additional money. Find the link there. Um, and then, uh, what was I going to say? You need web hosting plan started about $5 a month go up to about $14 a month. Um, so a minimum of $5 a month. And then I, as I say, there's an optional plugin that I do recommend. They have a free version. I recommend the paid version. Uh, it costs $9. It's a one-time fee and you'll learn more about that in the program. So not much, about $25 a month will, will do what you need. Um, uh, and there's nothing else that I can think of in terms of cost other than advertising, which is also optional. You can feel, you can uh, sort of fuel your funnel with free traffic. I just am a big believer in advertising, but the idea there is that you're making money back, um, you know, to cover those costs. Um, you just might not initially when you're still in the testing round. Um, 
uh, Joe in New York says, can I just buy the older copywriting or album launch individually? Thanks for helping us. Uh, copywriting for musicians and record release formula? No, they are not currently available individually. And while I do realize that I could just say, sure, um, uh, I, I need to do something to, I don't know, just kind of, um, you know, it, it's, I'm, this, this is a promotion. I'm a business. I, I keep the lights on by selling these programs, um, and couldn't do this without the revenue that comes from that. And so I am in, frankly incentivizing this bundle by bringing back some, some pretty special programs that are not available to the public. Now, if you have bought programs of mine in the past and that's why you don't want the other two, then I can absolutely prorate the discount. Anyone who's bought a previous, um, uh, uh, program, all you need to do is send an email to john at musicmarketingmanifesto.com and say, I'd like to buy the bundle, but I've already bought MMM4 Music Ads Workshop 3.0. Uh, as long as it's the, you know, the same edition, I will, I will create a special link for you that reduces the cost by removing, you know, the, those products from the bundle and saves you even more money. Um, <clears throat> so, so you can, you can buy them alone that way, but, um, but, you know, they're in keeping with the promotion and the terms that I've sort of put out there for everybody. I'm not, I'm not selling those two by themselves and I'm not bringing them back when this promotion is over, or at least I have no plans to. All right. Uh, Michael says, how do I find artists that are similar or ones, uh, similar? I think I'm supposed to say two ones, their fans would like my, I'm struggling here. Sorry, Michael. How do I find artists that are similar or ones their fans would like my music? I'm a rock guy with a punky vibe, but not punk music proper. I can find bands that sound like me and I know a lot of bands. Okay. So real long story short, um, you, you find bands that are similar to you by targeting bands that are similar to you. And there's a, you can use Facebook's audience insights tool to do a lot of research into bands that are similar to you to see what other pages, um, fans of those bands might, uh, might also like, wow, that was a tongue twister. Um, so Facebook's audience insights tool will give you a lot of insights. You just enter a similar band and then you look at the page likes in common. There's an affinity score that, that like likeliness that someone who likes, let's say green day, um, or, uh, man, I'm really butchering the sensor. So let's say you thought your music was similar to green day. You go into Facebook audience insights tool. You find it in your ads manager. You type in green day within the United States, if that's your target country. And then a whole bunch of data comes up and you click on page likes and you'll see all kinds of other pages that people who like Green Day also like. And then there's an affinity score that the, the chances, um, you know, how much more likely is this person, a person who likes, let's say, the offspring to like Green Day. And, it'll, and the higher the score, the more likely it is that um, these two artists will share fans in common and that will give you some targeting ideas. So that's the simplest way of uh, or answer I have for finding uh, other similar artists. Um, all right. Uh, where are we here? Cliff in Norwalk. Hi, John. Really great seminar. Quick question. Using the MMM, can you link sales into industry tracking for the sales to register on charts? Yes, you can. It's difficult, unfortunately. There, You need to use a, uh, there's a podcast episode I have on this. It's a few episodes back. Go to mm, search uh, Music Marketing Manifesto on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. Go back a few episodes and and. Uh, you'll find info on how to report your sales from your website to SoundScan. You need to use a different shopping cart um, and all the details are there. Um, all right. We're almost there. We're going to make it, I think. Four more questions. Um, 
Uh, Ricky from Detroit, will you help me? Shameless plug for rickysparks.rocks. It's firecracker rock. Love you, John. Thanks for helping us. P.S. I just bought uh, ads 3.0. Well worth the money. Thanks, man. I uh, really appreciate that. Um, and uh, there, there's your shameless shameless plug, uh, rickysparks.rocks, a fellow MMMer who liked the Music Ads Workshop, and you can go check out his stuff if you're interested. Um, uh, El Rashid again, and uh, I'm probably saying it wrong. Abuja, Abuja. I need a system to enable me to build a large mailing list so I can sell my music. Um, uh, okay, sorry, you're, I already answered that. I just didn't mark it as red. Um, he also asked, I need a system. Oh, it's just a duplicate, so it came in a few times. So we've got you covered, El Rashid. Um, final question um, is from Julie in Nebraska City. She says, the URL of my site isn't HTTPS, not HTTP. What is the difference? And does not matter? Also, why is the next? why is that next to the URL of my site? It says not secure. So... Um, I'm wondering if you got that backwards. So HTTPS is a, a sort of a it mean it's a it's a security sort of protocol, and it means that you're if you if you have a it means you have an SSL certificate for your site, which means that uh, your site is encrypted to a degree and people are less likely to be able to kind of um, decipher, you know, steal information from it um, in a nutshell uh, as a, and I'm sure you programmers out there are rolling your eyes at my stupid explanation because it's probably more detailed than that, but you want to have it. Um, and uh, it's free with most hosts to set up uh, an SSL certificate. Um, but if you have it, if it says HTTPS, your site should say secure. If it doesn't, you probably have some secure elements on your site. If you have a uh, it's odd that you would have an SSL certificate and not realize it. So you just kind of want to contact your host and ask, hey, why does my site say it's not secure? If you're using WordPress, you want to go and probably install a plugin, a free plugin called uh, really simple SSL, turn it on, follow the steps. I don't think there are any, um, and your site will suddenly magically read as secure. If it doesn't, you, and you're using Aweber, then you might have an old image in Aweber that is still reading as not secure and might still need to change that. Um, but otherwise, it should be working just fine. Um, and if it's not, then refer to your web host for, for some assistance. Okay, so two quick uh, comments. I think they're just people saying thanks. Mary says thanks. You're welcome, Mary. Uh, Ricky Sparks says thanks. Um, uh, you really are helping musicians and approved it. Um, Ricky Sparks, my, my pleasure, uh, both of you. Um, and thanks everyone to listening. So I just, one more shameless plug for myself. If you enjoyed this webinar, if you like MMM and my podcasts and all these things that, uh, you know, that I teach and I'm about, then uh, we've got a really special deal running at the moment. Uh, it's a Cyber Monday deal, uh, best deal I've ever run, 60% off a bundle of all of my programs. Um, normally sells for 1100 bucks. You can get it for 495. If you've purchased any of the programs in the bundle before, I will reduce that for you. You need to send in an email to john at musicmarketingmanifesto.com, but you can get record release formula, a, a huge monster of a course that teaches you how to release an album, uh, <clears throat> uh, using a, an actual campaign as sort of the case study that campaign ended up, uh, 
debuting at number five on Billboard's Blues chart. Uh, we've got Music Marketing Manifesto 4.0, my flagship program, uh, really, you know, uh, credited by by many as, as sort of the, the course that kind of started the whole modern direct-to-fan marketing movement. You know, it was first launched in 2009 and it's in its fourth edition. Technically, it was 2007, but <laughs> I didn't get serious about it until 2009. Um, and then and it teaches you how to build an automated marketing funnel for your music. There's also a Music Ads Workshop, which will teach you how to um, uh, become an advanced Facebook advertiser and again, use Facebook advertising to uh, market your music. And then finally, there is um, uh, copywriting for musicians, which is a really special course that um, I think I think the concept is boring to a lot of people. It was a funny course in that it's probably one of my worst sellers, but I had virtually zero refunds. I think one person after after um, going through all the live webinars and asking about 4,000 questions and seemingly getting a lot out of it, requested a refund. But other than that, uh, it had virtually zero refunds. Not not that my stuff ever has much of a refund rate. It's very My stuff has very low refund rates, which I'm very proud of. But it was a, a weirdly successful course in that sense. Um, but the, the topic goes right over a lot of people's heads, but it's so important. It's the most important skill most musicians can have. And it's copywriting for our intents and purposes is the art of using words to sell music. And I taught a special live workshop on it. It was closed to the public. It's been closed ever since. And I'm letting um, people back in uh, that take advantage of this bundle. It's a special Cyber Monday sale. Went live yesterday, expires on Thursday uh, at midnight Pacific. So you really, uh, by the time you're hearing this, if you're listening to the replay, you won't have uh, much time to grab it. Check it out at musicmarketingmanifesto.com forward slash cyber dash Monday. If you can't remember that, head on over to Facebook and scroll down a post or two. You should see a link that'll take you there. All right, guys, thanks so much for listening. It's been a lot of fun. I really enjoyed this. Hopefully you guys did um, too. Um, Thanks very much. Take care. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Music Marketing Manifesto podcast. If you'd like to learn more about how you can market your music using the direct-to-fan strategies discussed on this show, then head on over to musicmarketingmanifesto.com and sign up for your free copy of the Music Marketing Blueprint. Once again, that's musicmarketingmanifesto.com.